people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here he is, your host, Derek McCall. Thank you. This is Derek McCall, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. We are podcasting from the Brett Cave on Wednesday. No, it's Thursday, Thursday January night. 15th. You know, <laughs> That's later. why I've read some comics. <laughs> <laughs> Had a chance to go to the store and God, read comics. God, we're prepared tonight. Well, why start now? Uh, anyway, uh, we we are indeed podcasting on Thursday, January 15th. It's approximately 6.49. Uh, so let's assume a stop time around uh, 8.30. Any news that happens after January 15th at 8.30 p.m., this podcast is not, not responsible, responsible for. Anyway, uh, you may notice that we are down a voice. Uh, that is, so first uh, give it up for our homie. Nate Costa, our man in Los Angeles, is actually busy working today. Today and tonight and can uh, we say what he's working on no i don't think we should it's oh, really cool i know though. i think it is and we'll just leave it i don't take the right of i know of, of announcement away but you know they're really missing out on and knowing. i'm hoping that no not necessarily it's i'm just like, trying to well he, you know, he sure okay all right so he is overthrowing a middle eastern country but uh with any of the book rights with snark and sarcasm uh pretty much going to solve peace in the middle east uh no he's actually doing something that we hope will turn into a longer term gig for him uh and so we've agreed that we would record providing he doesn't forget his friends he won't like so many others have oh shh don't forget we just we just get littler and littler in the <laughs> distance you know uh hey, hindsight you look over your shoulder there we are in the rearview mirror waving Singing that Jim Steinman meatloaf song. Objects in the rearview mirror. Count this out. Time it because if it's more than ten seconds. We actually then owe money to ASCAP, and I won't do that. Anyway, uh, so I've introduced myself. We've introduced the absence of Nate and taking Nate's place, doing double duty tonight as podcast producer and announcer. Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. And so we've got a lot to talk about. We've got comics news. We've got movie news. One piece of movie news that I'm really sorry that Nate is not here to talk about, if only yeah. so he could cackle with glee and triumph, uh, or roll his eyes audibly. Or both. Probably both. We have a special guest tonight. Uh, he's a writer on Grimm, and he's a playwright uh, who's got a sci-fi gaming drama that is opening in San Jose. I know that we have a global audience, but we do, uh, since we are in San Jose, California, do want to pay attention to what the, what's, what's the geeky center of and the geek awesome. world. kind of is. Yeah. Although, with both DC and, and uh, Marvel Productions, anyway, in By the Los way, Angeles. First track on the Awesome Mix Volume 3, Do You Know the Way to San Jose? Volume you, 3. You heard it here first? I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, yeah. 
on Dion and Pert Pockrock. Anyway, so we're going to be talking uh, to a special guest tonight that's got a lot of stuff to, to happen locally here in San Jose, as well as making some people's nerd worlds rock on Friday nights. A couple of years ago, down in Los Angeles, I saw a play uh, that was kind of a sci-fi gaming drama, and I came up to a local theater company and was talking to the artistic director and said, I just saw this play that you should be doing. And lo and behold, next week in San Jose, they are opening this play called Build, as written by Michael Galamko. So we're very excited to have uh, Michael Galamko on this evening. Hello, Michael. Well, th- Hi. Well, thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. And, and also, in that time since, if I've got the timeline correctly, uh, not only have you been a playwright for quite some time, you are now a writer on the NBC supernatural thriller Grimm. Was that That's right. before or after Build made its debut? Um, I think I had just, I think I had just started. Okay. Uh, right after um, Build at the cafe. Okay. Well, we will talk a yeah. little bit about Grimm later because I have noticed that uh, that we have some people following our site, even though we have not necessarily covered the show intensely, but there are people following us that are definitely fans. My own daughter, uh, my daughter is a huge fan of Grimm, so very excited to oh, talk awesome. a little bit about that later. That's um, right. But we want to talk about Build, which is opening next Thursday, Jan- January 22nd, at the City Lights Theater Company in downtown San Jose. And so this is, it's a it's a bit of science fiction, and as I looked over some of the other plays that you have written, there does seem to be a nice little thread of geekery running through. Um, what was a, yeah? What, what was your inspiration for Build? Have you spent time here in the Silicon Valley? Well, I actually grew up in the Bay Area. Oh, you um, did? And yeah, I did. Uh, like I grew up in San Mateo, and then uh, our family moved to Marin. Uh, so I, I went to high school in Marin, and um, my my high school job was uh, programming. Um, hmm. So I'd commute into the city on the ferry, the Sausalito ferry, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd do that. And, uh, so, you know, I, I never really lived in, um, Silicon Valley as a kid, you know, I, like, um, eventually I went to UCLA and I stayed in LA, but, uh, the Bay Area has been a big part of my life for, for quite a while. Okay. Um, I, I didn't realize you had that local connection too. That is, that is great. But I figured mm-hmm. you, you must've had some experience since, again, I don't know if it's in the script cause I've never, I haven't read the script itself. But uh, mm-hmm. but it takes place inside. At least the Geffen Playhouse production was inside an Eichler. So right, exactly. Is that one of those Eichler houses? Oh God, that's my favorite kind of house. Yeah, yeah. Those um, you know those kind of bungalow type uh, houses that you get roofed. like all over. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. fantastic. We're uh, actually we're actually in a in a neighborhood just two blocks that way. Are an acre or two of We're Eichler so houses close to the Eichlers, but not actually in one right now. Um, so mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so you, you have that, you have that definite Bay area, Bay area connection. And then it's, uh, I think I saw there was an article. I can't remember. If it was the New York times, uh, or LA times that was talking about, you did some research with world of Warcraft and that helped with your inspiration for this play. Uh, yeah. Like, um, you know, I, like I, like uh, most of the programming that I have done for work is all database related to SQL stuff. Um, and so I wanted to understand some more about game development. So I, I got a textbook on uh, multi, uh, massive multi, uh, player role playing games mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, read all the articles there and like uh, the client server design. And, you know, that was very interesting, but 
I wanted to see um, how these things played, you know. And uh, usually I'm a console gamer, like I, I play a lot of console games, a lot of single player things. So uh, I decided, hey, I should check out World of Warcraft. So uh, I got the client, um, I started playing it, and it, it was pretty addictive for the first part. Um, like I joined the guild, and uh, after a while, like my research kind of tapered off with it. I was pretty much done. You know, there are a lot of fetch quests, and you know, this is well, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all like you know, gather like ten orc bones, all that stuff. Oh, uh, we know. <laughs> you know, all that, and um, so I left. Uh, I stopped playing for a while, and then a month later, I thought, I think I'll check in, and they had kicked me out of the guild for not being around. <laughs> so I lost my tabard and, you know, all that stuff. And it was just kind of an interesting social experiment because it felt kind of like, I felt this pang of rejection from getting kicked <laughs> out of the field of people that I didn't really, you know, you know them online, but, right. you know, yeah, it was interesting. You were judged by a bunch of 12-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, you know, at that point, like, it was really my fault because I hadn't been around no, you don't have so. to blame yourself. You were not, you, you were not asking for it. It's, um, <laughs> so you know, this was written actually again on your own website. Said it was it was a commission by uh, Daniel Day Kim. But, yeah, but he never got to play uh, one of the roles. Yeah, it's been really tough to like we're we're essentially all on TV schedules. Like Dan is on Hawaii Five O now. Mm -hmm. um, Joel De La Fuente, who's the other actor who. And they were, you know, a friend of mine, but um, yeah. he, he was the first person that came to me um, with the idea of let's, you know, commission Mike to write a play um, for us. He's now on uh, Man in the High Castle oh, on Amazon. I really yeah, want to talk the... about that tonight later in the, in the podcast. Is that the dick work? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, awesome. yeah. It's a new Amazon pilot. So I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it because I love that book. Um, it's just yeah. such an interesting book. And, you know, uh, like I love uh, alternate history Yes. sort of thing, so I want to see how this is realized um, for the small screen. But anyway, so um, Joel uh, and Dan uh, came to me with this idea of, like, let's write a play, and then I came to them with the idea of, like, let's do something about um, guys that make video games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then taking it a step further, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to give any spoilers for the play away, but it does really take a, I'd say, a, a hard sci-fi turn very early on. Um, because you have a technology, you have a couple of technologies in there that just do not exist yet, um, right? And in the in I, I not having sat in on any rehearsals at, at City Lights, I I don't know how how they're envisioning it. I know that a lot was suggested in the Geffen Playhouse version, but um, it was definitely a, a step forward. Um, so. Uh, are you going to come up to see their production, or are you? Yeah, I, I'd really love to. Like, I'm hoping to uh, later in the run. Uh, right now, I'm about to uh, shoot an uh, my, my another episode of Grimm. One of, another one of my episodes of Grimm. So I have to be up in Portland um, in the next couple of weeks. But I'll be back um, by President's Day in February. So hopefully, I'll be able to catch it. Okay. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Well, yeah, good. How did you be, go from being a programmer to a playwright? Um, I'd always been uh, writing and also doing kind of like uh, technology stuff, like ever since I was a kid. Like my dad brought home a Commodore 64 when I was a little kid, and uh, back then you had to 
terms, like magazines like Byte and things like mm-hmm. that would have uh, programs in them. And then so you'd print it in the magazine. So you'd type them in in basic and then you'd run them and um, kind of taught me how to program. Um, and so from there I went, you know, you, you do the standard migration of like uh, Commodore 64 to Apple IIe to IBM PC to AT to, you know, all the way up to 386, 486, Pandium, all that stuff. And so I was doing that all throughout high school and college. I worked my way through um, college working for the UCLA um, Medical Center at the help desk and then eventually um, prototyping software and, you know, building software for, uh, like, presenting, you know, database information to patients and mm-hmm. physicians. So that's always been part of my life. Um, and writing has always been part of my life, you know. And the two of them, programming and writing, are actually, they've got a lot of similarities, like you're dealing with, um, you're trying to say the most um, using the least amount of code. Uh, you're trying to do things efficiently, and you're trying to, there's a lot of creativity involved with both of them. So they've kind of dovetailed together in my life um, in a lot of different ways. So uh, after a while, you know, I, like um, I've been very lucky to be able to program and make my living doing that. And then make the transition to make my living to making my living writing, which has been a real blessing too. Yeah, well, let's talk a little uh, a little bit about that transition to being a writer for Grimm, which I think is sure. uh, you've done a couple of screenplays. It was a short film. There is a film, uh, I guess, making the festival rounds right now. That of one of you. Yeah, first I've plays. been um, you know I've been writing screenplays for a while, and you know essentially I wanted to trans- like traverse some TV writing, so. It's just a matter of um, doing, like, creating a couple of writing samples. Um, they, like, I, uh, I wrote two pilots, two original pilots, and uh, we took them out. Uh, my agents and my manager took them out, and we managed to sell one. And um, I developed another pilot for uh, uh, Warner Brothers. And so off of that, uh, I realized that I needed uh, staffing experience. So um, we used them as writing samples. Uh, and uh, the in-staffing season, I got this job on Grimm, and it's, it's just been fantastic. I, I love working on the show. It's really fun. Were you at Grimm? You, you weren't in there at the very beginning? or? Oh, you... oh, no, no. I started with season three, and it's now our fourth season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, it's just been like a really fun, like the group is really fun, and the cast and the crew are fantastic. Um the, uh, the the cast and the crew they they pretty much live in Portland now, and they're just a great group of people. You know, like our crew is essentially like they're they're like lumberjacks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that carry around like grip equipment and uh, like uh, they're great. And the crew is uh, the cast is fantastic. Like all of them are just really sweet people, great to work with. And um, our writing staff is fantastic. It's just been uh, it, it, like for for a first time staffing TV staffing experience. It's been you can ask for a better experience. Well, that's great. What, what, what would be, say, you know, for p- people that are interested, what, what would you consider the most challenging of transitioning from being a playwright, uh, doing some screenplays, to this episodic television work? Well, like, um, let's see. For playwriting, uh, for a playwright to go to television, it's actually, uh, like, a fairly easy transition. You know, you just have to start working, thinking more in terms of TV structure. Um uh, and it's it's like just to give you like the um, like the like an example of 
a scale, for instance, like um, when I first started here, uh, I drink a lot of Diet Coke, and people know that now. Like I drink tons of Diet Coke. And so when I first started working on Grimm, um, coming from a theater background, I was like, okay, I need to go find a place where I can buy Diet Cokes so I can, you know, I can always have a Diet Coke in my hand. Yes. Uh, in our office suite down the hall, there was a vending machine. So I, I found it, and I was like, great, I can, um, I can get my Diet Cokes out of here. So I come back to our office suite and go into the kitchen, and I look in our fridge, and I see just stacks and stacks of soda, um, food, everything. And I'm like, I asked one of our assistants, whose Diet Coke is this? And it's in our fridge. And, and he was like, um, that's our Diet Coke. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do, you, what do you mean that's our Diet Coke? That's, whose Diet Coke is that? And he's like, Mike, that's, that's your Diet Coke. That's, that's ours. You can have as much Diet Coke as you want. The network buys it for us. <laughs> You know, this is this is your Diet Coke. This was him. You own this Diet Coke. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Because in theater, there's no money. You know, there's, right. there's like so little, like um, playwrights, like there's so little money for playwrights and for productions and everyone's really kind of pushing. And it's about the, you know, it's about the love and, you know, you're, but you can't really eat love, you know, and you can't use love to pay rent. So it's a, a completely different world. Um I mean, like in TV, of course, we still have a budget and we still have to, you know, look at, watch the bottom line. And the bottom line is very important, but it's just a completely different, um, yeah, it's a completely different. I don't think like, even a playwright can, can drink enough Diet Coke to affect the bottom line. Not even you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and how, how about that? Because, I mean, it was uh, certainly when you landed a place like, like the Geffen, and I realized, you know, theater in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Um, you know, that, that's, that's one of the better known, known theaters. And you had, uh, you had in one of the lead roles, a guy who had just hit it big with the newsroom. Uh, right. So, um, you know, how was that for you to see that finally get on its feet as a, as a full production, you'd done a workshop before, um, you know, but to be, you know, smack on the edge of Hollywood with, with this play. Well, I think, you know, it was a really, I love that production. I thought it was a great production. And the Geffen, the people are fantastic. And, you know, the, uh, um, the director we had, uh, uh, Will, he's, you know, like, he's great. And, uh, you know, the cast is great. Tommy Sadowski, uh, the actor that you're talking about, like mm-hmm. he was just in the wild um, as uh, Reese Witherspoon's uh, divorced husband who's, you know, following her on this journey, like over the phone. And, yeah. You know, that's really her, her, her backbone, you know, um, back home. Uh, he was fantastic. Uh, so it was a real, that was a real blessing, you know, doing it there. Uh, you know, like it, it, like I've been really lucky, um, with, uh, what, uh, with the circumstances that I've been in and, you know, like you couldn't ask for, for more. Like, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know how it, you know, like I almost feel kind of like, wow, like how, how did I look into all this stuff? But, you know, it was, just, it was a fun experience and it taught me a lot about the play and, you know this this new production. I think will uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to see it, and it will teach me even more about the play because you know I'm still learning about it. The actors are still learning about it. And that's what's different between uh, playwriting and television, which is that you know because it's in a three dimensional space right in front of you, and mm-hmm. you know you can still make adjustments all the way up until you know the the end of the last preview. You know, um, and it's not. It's it's on a timeline, but it's not like this has to work today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more of a like a cerebral kind of cultural art form, I guess. Uh, 
you know, it's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, thinking and a lot of, like, fun you can have with playwriting. Yeah. Is this the same script or did you make any revisions after, after the Geffen? There are, there are some revisions. There are some things I brought back that we deleted from the Geffen uh, production. Um, there's some stuff about bathrobes that I want to put back in because I thought bathrobes, there's this bit about how bathrobes are like the ultimate form of, um, human clothing, you know, because there's so yes. many uses, you know, they're perfect for you know, like all sorts of things. So some of those things I, I resurrected. Um, and yeah. Yeah. yeah are, I mean, Cause during uh, the Geffen too, Tommy had broken his foot. Oh yeah. Uh, been that hit, was a but, great thing. Oh, not a great became thing, a fantastic a, character. A thing. Yeah. Like he, I think Tommy was, um, he was going for a run, um, somewhere on like a hilly road and like a, a car like um like hit him or yeah. something but he, he broke his foot like during previews and this is right before the play is about to open and um we uh you know typically that's a huge and crazy thing that you have to deal with but we just um did some rewrites we just did i think one or two quick rewrites to explain it which that he had an accident with his nintendo wii i think that was yes the, yes that, that was, was the, the line yeah so like, has that um, stayed in? Because I thought it was an interesting externalization of the woundedness of his character. I mean, I knew um, that it had I'm happened. not sure. I'm not sure if that's... <laughs> I think it's in the script still, but, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's something that you can keep or not keep, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he, he was in a lot of pain uh, yeah. during the first, few product- the first few shows, but he really made it work. You know, he's an amazing actor. Oh yeah, it was a it was a very powerful performance because I found him kind of I mean because his character was that first season of the newsroom kind of a kind of jerky, right. and then I was like, yeah. oh, he's going to be a jerk, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> he's so transformed, you know, what a great actor, so, yeah, and yeah, I, he's fantastic, and I know that the actors that are up here in San Jose are great too. So again, can, 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 carrying on your blessings, right? You know, I mean, really a gift oh, of cast. So well, we thank you so much for your time tonight. Michael, and thank you for taking time out, especially on such short notice. I think I contacted him, like I said, last night saying, uh, we've got ourselves scheduled for tomorrow. Can you come in? So thank no you for problem. taking the time. Well, and, I really appreciate it. And I said, we've got television news as well. So let's get into comics. Uh, to begin with, um, it's been a, been an interesting week uh, that on, on the website, we did have somebody sort of, I would call that retroactively after the fact at image expo, uh, a, a friend of mine was at Image Expo, was tweeting about it, and I said, and I wrote to her and said, "Would you mind writing it up?" So you know, we did not like. Actually, Nate and I had given up. Like we thought, oh, we can't take off work. There's no, you know, he couldn't come up here. I couldn't take off work. We were sure we were not going to get to go to the Image Expo. So we did have a couple of nice pieces on the Image Expo that happened last week, and then uh, where they revealed a bunch of titles coming. But then this morning they launched. Uh, and they didn't just announce, they launched a subscription service. So I don't know if you call it a game changer. And I, 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 I tried to run it, uh, run the article kind of with uh, respect to, you know, what the information they provided, saw the pricing. It was a little misleading, but I could see where in some places that this is a pretty valuable service. Um, so basically they're doing, they're doing subscriptions. I guess they had not before. It never really occurred to me. DC and Marvel still do, I think, uh, do home subscriptions. I don't know yeah, they uh, do. what a large part, what size of their Actually, business uh, that is. Out of the out of the Marvel digital stuff, 
you can say, I want to buy this book in paper. It's a really interesting twist oh, okay. on it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So, I, that's not what Image is offering. But it's, been, yeah, that's just one way to get it. They had, I believe, 25 titles up that are ongoing, which was interesting to me because I thought some of these things were actually uh, were miniseries, and then went, oh, no, that's actually going on. Okay, okay. with the exception of, I know, I know Chu is revving up. It's probably you can get like two years' worth, and then Yeah, but it was ongoing for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah no, I mean, I just know that that's one that is going to approach yeah. the end because we talked to John Lehman. I guess what back in June yep. uh, about that happening. So anyway, they've got an interesting, uh, they've got uh, several very interesting titles up. I mean, because Image is a very uh, eclectic publisher, um, and the more titles you subscribe to, the uh, bigger the discount on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's up the, to like thirty five up to thirty five percent, and that's what I, I, I felt a little misleaded, misled by their original. Uh, press release because it said you know it's like up to 30 percent or 35 percent if you subscribe to all of them didn't realize that if it was one or two titles it's only a 10 percent discount but you also have to pay a dollar a book a dollar per book for shipping shipping, which is that's really high now if you're in a part of the country well it could be high but it also depends i was thinking well it also depends on what their shipping material is that's why if anyone's take uh, anyone's taking them up on this and wants to write to us and let us know how well, the experience is. You know I changed comic shops a while ago and I looked into I know that you services. Do. Yeah. And they are they're higher discounts and lower shipping costs overall. Um the downside to it is your rates go down if you don't ship every week. So you might want to get your books like every two weeks. Well, and that's what month. Image is offering as well, is at the end of the month and saying no spoilers, please. I totally get that it's a good plan for places where there aren't comic shops. Mm-hmm. And I have unfortunately not had a chance today to reach out to some of my friends in the comics retail industry to ask if what Images claim is true, that, that there are fewer shops than before. Because I thought sales were up. I thought, I thought there, were there more had been an increase of stores. stores yeah. But that still, the fact does remain. There are plenty of places around the country where people are interested in comics mm-hmm. and they're reading at USA Today, they're you know reading the Hero Complex, maybe they're reading Fanboy Planet, maybe they're, you know, I mean, comics covered in the New York Times, for gosh sakes, you know, where they can't get to them. Or they have a shop, because I know there's one in Tracy, um, California, which is not too far from here, you know, it's about 50 miles away, mm-hmm. where they only carry the top 30. Ah, uh, okay. You know, so, I mean, I do understand there are places that if they're not terribly responsive to giving you your special orders or whatever or by the time they make a special order because you realize oh i've heard this book is really good they might be sold out yep. at diamond i i can see the 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 need for this um it's not a service i feel that you need in the silicon valley and it's it's and the, most of the services that do this that are generic that do all you you put in your order from marvel dc and mm-hmm. image or whatever you're going to order from them and you're not dealing you're not dealing with each in, the individual companies you've got one bill that's coming from one company and the and the discounts are steeper so the only thing i'm wondering about and if they're charging a dollar a book for shipping how are they packaging it are these well, coming? Are these question. coming bagged and and boarded well that's my question and then because in, i don't know what the other mail order services yeah. do my experience from childhood with oh, subscription yes. was that I'd be lucky 
Yes. If, if I the got, cover was on it. If I, well, if I got the book at all, I think oh. I had a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man, which was I regretted. I didn't regret reading yeah. American Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. But I think out of a 12-issue subscription, I got eight, maybe. Yeah, I had a subscription at one point, and, and they there was damaged. some kind of promotion, and they were almost always damaged. Yeah. So I mean, and I know things have changed. And they'd have, they'd have a sticker on the outside of the We're talking, book. and then there was, you know, a little horse poop from the Pony Express delivery that had been <laughs> given. But, you know, it was, uh, you know, I mean, and it was a long time ago. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I find that, uh, so I was kind of sold on, no. And I've been happy, say, if I order a trade paperback through Amazon, that packaging has been fine. I've never really been horribly dissatisfied. But I also, you know, I'm in the position of I like going into a store and overhearing other people talk about books that they like. And you pick Clerks. up new books because of people's recommendations Constantly. or Good just Lord, by exposure. I really, yes, yeah. uh, you know, we're getting to Big a later week for feature. You. Big week, a shameful week. Um, I feel like a comics glutton. Um, I'll be up all night reading. Uh, what a horrible thing! So Marvel has sent out a teaser this morning, uh, saying that April is Marvel's WTD month, which I was a little puzzled by. WTD? No well, one knows. But apparently, well, I, I what the yeah, I'd forgotten last year that DC had done that. Uh, uh, the WTF month, where they were doing the gatefold co- covers, so you. You look at the cover, and one thing would seem to be happening, and then you pull, you do the fold out, and there was like some surprise. I think it was surprise. I think like Jonah Hex was one that stuck in my mind. Jonah Hex was pulling a gun on somebody, and you open it up, and it's Booster Gold in weird, right, weird right, Western right. tales. Like what? So the question, I because I was like running this through my head, like what? What could WTD stand for? So the theory is, you know, I guess Deadpool is about to die just in time for Fox to make a movie. Um, because it's all the rage. Wolverine it, did it. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, screw 20th Century Fox Month is what it is. But uh, <laughs> they're not 20th Century. That's so 20th Century. 21st Century Fox. <laughs> I think they just call themselves Fox now. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know if I've seen. I anything. thought they went to 21st Century. No, because they actually had a different, like, boutique label for a while that was 21st Century Fox. They tried it back about 30 years ago, trying to be, like, sci-fi and futuristic. So I don't think Mm. that went well. Anyway, um, so ultimately, you know, it's it's maybe the D is Deadpool. So, you know, they know that they've done a lot of, like, when Deadpool got married, there were a lot of Demolition Man. Deadpool covers. I don't think that. I think it was Universal. Uh, So... Anyway, uh, I would like to throw out there only my speculation that the D could possibly be Disney because I would love it if, like, suddenly every superhero book in April had an alternate cover in which a Disney character was dressed as. Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be Deadpool, Mickey Mouse as Deadpool? Uh, no, Mickey wouldn't be. Stitch would be Deadpool. Stitch would be Deadpool. Stitch would be Deadpool. Yeah. Mickey Mouse as Reed Richards. No, that wouldn't well, work. Cast the Fantastic Four. So who would be the thing? Um, oh, that that would be uh, Black Black Pete. Uh, Black or, Pete. Is the- no, he's sorry. They don't call him that. He's just called Pete now. They took okay. away. Uh, no, that's bad because he's sort of like he's kind of a he's bad like guy. So, kind of like chaotic evil. Um, if we must go D and D things, um, who would be? Uh, oh, maybe Elliot the Dragon. Hmm. And then we're doing a remake. I was thinking going Goofy. No, no, no. Sure. Goofy, no, you don't make Goofy is the thing. Donald is the thing. He's there. No, Donald had to be the Human Torch. The duck. The, the, <laughs> the, the duck, duck on fire. The duck on fire. <laughs> yeah, Goofy would. I don't know. You know. That's true. 
Goofy would be Willie Lumpkin. Uh, <laughs> that, no, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. So and we, you have Mickey, uh, obviously Mickey, Mickey and Minnie would be yeah. Reed, Reed and Sue. Yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah, that's that's it. It doesn't quite. I'm sure they could reach deeper. Yeah. For uh, you know, but really, who should be Mister Fantastic? Gyro Gyro Gear Loose um, mm. should be Mister Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would just like to. Uh, no, he's Professor Xavier. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I because this is purely speculation, or the you know, are there iconic um, Disney images that you could just recreate, As, like on a cover, you mean like, like movie posters or something that would be iconic? You know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think it works best to put Disney characters, characters in, there. in the suits. Yeah, I think so. I, although I think it's a further crossover than Disney might be comfortable doing with Marvel, but it would be it'd be cool to see. You know, there hasn't been enough of that other than a couple of stuff. You know, like I have Mickey Mouse as Hulk. I have Mickey Mouse as Spider-Man. And I think there was a Mickey Mouse, a plush Mickey as Iron Man. And you can get Spider-Man and Iron Man ears. There seems to be the the limit of the Marvel Disney crossovers at this point. Uh, Plenty of Marvel Star Wars. Ooh, I just got loud. Yeah, I'm readjusting. All right. Anyway, so we shall see. That'll be April. But, um... And Marvel announced, though, that, that they are doing on Disney XD. We knew there was a Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. And in addition to, in a month or two, there's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy team-up book in which every month there's an excuse to have the Guardians of the Galaxy, the galaxy-spanning team, crossover with someone. They're the new Wolverine. Or uh, well, or the old Spider-Man, if you yeah, like exactly, the original Marvel team-up. I can hardly wait for the Werewolf by Night team-up. <laughs> Rocket and Jack. Russell, um, but they are doing uh, four kids, or or at least let's call it family friendly, uh, in the Share Universe project where they've uh, got books that are based on their animated series. So there's a, a Ultimate Spider-Man, which has become Web Warriors, and Avengers Assemble, and now there will be a Guardians of the Galaxy book, all new comic series in February that is kid friendly and done in the style of the animated series. So sell what you see on TV. Hey. It's not a bad idea. No, it's it's a strategy. not. It's a, what got me into comics. Is it? Yeah. The first book I bought, was, the first book I actually went to a store myself and bought was like Fantastic Four number 53 or 52. And it was because I had been watching the cartoon show. And Interesting. And I wanted more. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that worked. All right. Strategy worked in the 60s. It'll work in the 2000. The teenies. The teens. Teenies. That's weird. I shouldn't say that. The teenies. Um, we're going to get to the a teenies. feature that I'm convinced is going to become a <laughs> weekly feature, maybe a monthly, and we're calling it Six Books Rick is Dropping This Week. Right. Um, Actually, I'm going to give you a bonus book. No, you can't do I that. Can't you do s- you set the title, I you did. set the rules, and then you break them immediately. I didn't. I, I, I don't think that's pencil. fair. I wrote it in pencil. Uh, no, you wrote it on an Evernote, which therefore is permanent. No, it's not really. Okay. But. So I am I am this is my own personal personal intervention because I'm just buying too much stuff and a lot of the stuff I'm reading just isn't making a cuff and I'm buying it as a knee jerk reaction to I enjoyed this pa- this in the past or this looks intriguing or whatever and it's gotta stop. So I'm actively taking notes as I read books and saying whether I enjoyed it or not, and I'm looking at it and canceling. I say, Clamp. wait a minute, knowing you, uh huh, does this mean you got to design a spreadsheet 
for yourself? No, I do it in Evernote. Come on, admit it. It's right here in Evernote. <laughs> Is there an enjoyment an enjoyment table? No, no, no. There's a Agreed. scale, but I'm not going to share that with you because you make fun of me. I, I did. Uh, uh, so the first one up, uh, these are not in any particular order, but the first one up, I'm dropping Angela right now. Angela, right now. Okay. I, After issue number two, it's, it's going nowhere Well, I me. bought issue number two at the recommendation of the comic shop last week. Yeah. Not of the Not of the physical building of, I believe, Perry uh, and my son's then curiosity in which uh, the phrase, uh, damn it, Perry, uh, was uttered many times by me last week because he kept saying things like that in front of my son, like, oh, no, you should check out Angela. Because, of course, then the 10-year-old is like, well, I want to know, you know. So I bought a lot of things last week that yeah. uh, I'm not going to stop bringing my son into the store, but I might say that Perry has to sit outside. I actually like this character when, when they introduced her in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But ever since they made the the Asgard connection, all she can talk about is how she isn't really an Asgardian. She's not really a, she's everything. It's nothing about what she is. It's what she isn't. It's not what she wants to do. It's what she doesn't want to well, do. Well, it reminds me of the cookie cutter way that Marvel the '90s was when you yeah. had uh, Dark Hawk and the Ghost Rider uh, yeah. ripoff. Yeah, and yeah. How everybody just they all have the exact same motivations and the exact you know it, it's. Yeah, I, I didn't really like the first issue that much. I thought the art was pretty good because I like Phil Jimenez. Yeah, the art on this one is even dropping for me. I mean, is it still Phil on the... Uh, yeah, it idea. says Jimenez, but it depends on the inking yep. too. It was an interesting inking combination. But it didn't look like Phil Jimenez. It looked like, you know, it was... And it's not it's not bad art, but it's just not... I mean, I don't like the way he's drawn Thor there. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm. You don't have to. Re- so, I mean, I'll still. Anyway, I'll still read the second. I mean, issue Thor's on see. the bubble for me too. So that's not. That's not. I'm not dropping it yet. Oh, I see what it is. You're sexist. I yeah. Thor. No, no. I'm. T- yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're I'm sexist. To- that's, <laughs> let's just render everything down to the easiest, easiest explanation. It's possible. the American way, Rick. So, so you continue that critique of me as I tell you the next one. I'm dropping. Okay, Pandora. Oh, it's not called Pandora anymore. It's, it's Trinity, Trinity of Sin. Trinity of Sin Pandora, which is... They, no, actually, it rotates which one of the Trinity it is. Is that right? So the first issue was Trinity of Sin, Phantom Stranger, and I know this because I just read is that right? issue two, okay. uh, was Trinity of Sin, The Question. Well, I told them to take Trinity of Sin, Pandora, and Phantom Stranger off my list, yes. basically because... It's all the, one book. The last... Ever since they... And by the way, that one book sucks yes, okay it's, it's issue it, i read the first three issues which is a fair fair assessment and it was the most the most wimpy lame uh we're trapped in an alternate universe we our powers come and go no yeah. one can figure out why it was just there was no logic the to this dark book world or something it was just horrible it was just plain flat out horrible so that's we're up to four now the next one I'm dropping is probably the, one of the hardest ones to do because I am a big X-Men fan. And I have bought just about anything with X-Men written on it for the longest time. I think, uh, you know, I dropped X, X-Force X for a little while, I think. Okay. Storm. I've dropped Storm. Three. Sexist. I knew you were going to go Sexist. there. Sexist. 
I'm just um, going to say here, you might want to look. The into stories yourself. don't matter. The stories are all about storm off you know, with you know, and doing doing things that don't matter. That they're not affecting any other storyline. Oh, like Halle Berry's career. It's a it's it's an easy one <laughs> to say. I'm not getting that much out of this book. I'm just going to drop it. There was a little bit of like. It it started off looking like it was kind of going to be good because why doesn't Storm use her power to um, make it rain in Africa where they need water? And um, who's the mutant who can do anything with machines? Uh, uh, Forge. Forge. Forge was there trying to make a weather weather machine, and she she came in and it explained that her power is that she takes from some place to bring here. So she was bringing water into Africa. It would go away from someplace else. Has that ever been an explanation before? It's never been an explanation I've read before. So, but that was, and it was a convenient way of saying why, you know, it's why can't you solve the world's problems when your power would possibly make you. Well, make that possible. is one thing that comics why doesn't always. Why come and solve the California drought? Superhero you know? comics always struggle with that. I'm not right. defending your choice to drop it. I'm just no, saying no, I, that I is. I didn't a, say that. Was, that wasn't why I was dropping that it. That's what be. kept me into it for a little while longer. Oh, okay. Oh, I, and then, I misunderstood. And then there's a conspiracy thing going on right now, and, and she's involved in and it. She's and not married to Black Panther the anymore rest, either. She's she? not married to Black Panther. She actually had a fling with wolverine before she before he died um like they had gone off for they had gone off into a pocket universe where they could live for a year when it was only taking minutes in the regular universe so they lived together for like a year wow it was an interesting storyline but it's it's just kind of dropped it's kind of a flat story i mean it's it's one that i think they were finding that they could they could just dial it in on these and people were still going to buy it because like me they buy anything as x-men so yeah, it's been a long time since I've done so that. So now I'll give you an opportunity to call me racist. Um, I'm dropping Ghost Rider. Okay. Because that's Latin American. I don't that's not, no, don't say it that way because that's not why you're dropping that's it. You were I'm dropping it, but that's why you thought it. I, I was cutting you off at the pass. Oh, yeah, no, but, it, but, it, but instead it became a self-admission. You it's, 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 not, it's not that it's, it's just not a book that's doing anything for me in character development or storyline. The storylines are all kind of kind of weak. And are you I, I think I have the first three issues, and I thought I really liked the art, and I really liked the idea behind the character, and I liked the, I liked the shift that he wasn't um, that he wasn't a motorcyclist this time right, around. There was a hot rodder. Uh, there was a hot rodder. It was a good. It was a good shift, and it reminded me a lot actually of a character that I really, really like over at DC, who's kind of got destroyed by um by the new 52 the, the new el diablo right um so that would have been my problem with it was he seemed too much like a character i'd already seen and liked and wanted to see more of instead yeah. um and of course didn't circle back around did johnny blaze show up again in all new in the all new ghost Rider? i don't think so i thought i'd read somewhere oh. that he had but anyway so uh, okay, so I, I mean, I've dropped that one with a couple of issues on red because it just when I I was looking at the store and I was just like, I this has not been developing characters. The plots right, are right. not. I think very I stopped just because I was so behind and it had nothing to do with my enjoyment or lack of enjoyment of the book. But I would agree with you; it did seem kind of cookie cutter because, yeah. again, I, I know we were we were being glib about saying, "Oh, it's racist," but you know, when you have a Mexican American character. Mm-hmm. Um, their origins, while the writers might be well-meaning, when they're all cut from the same cloth, like the only one uh, that I, that comes to mind immediately of uh, like 
that did something very interesting and different. Uh, well, actually, I'd say Blue Beetle when Jaime Reyes became okay. two, and it's DC. The other one was the previous El Diablo, who was the New Mexico politician who uh, had no supernatural powers whatsoever right. and was just doing that, and then they kind of messed up and they had to give him superpowers near the end of his run. But if you can find that uh, find that original run, it's very different. Uh, I would think a very um, honest take on a, on just being a Latino in this country without being – Oh, they've got to be from the barrio. They've yeah, got to be, yeah. and you know, and somebody can without please. And keep I don't calling even think, a, I don't even think the ghetto jerks. or the barrio is a, is a boring place. I mean, one of my favorite runs of all time was the was the Blood Syndicate. All those those stories, those were great books. Well, Milestone was fantastic. Yeah, under uh, underserved, undersung. Yeah, and you know, someday, and. But the thing about the blood someday we'll get someday we'll get Michael Davis on this show, and when we do, um, that will be the for mature audiences only because I'm pretty sure he'll swear up a storm. But fascinating to talk about the origins of Milestone, and it would be it would be great to have him. What on. was great about those characters, for the most part, I mean, there were some like Icon who weren't, but a lot of the characters are really flawed, and you can tell some really interesting stories yeah, with I flawed the characters. Blood Syndicate. blood Syndicate was awesome, um, you know. Anyway. And then the last one, uh, I I've finally decided, especially since the last I, the Flash the, the most recent book, <laughs> yes, the most recent book is now uh, one of the Marvel four ninety nine books. Is I'm dropping the Spider Verse um, anthology books, the ones that have four or five stories that introducing these new alternate universe mo- if you get one of those stories is actually good it's a good book but most of them you know they, most of them are just not very good they're they're like b-list artists and writers and i just don't care about them it's a, a showcase five book. bucks a book yeah and i and i bought this week and it's the inter- the most interesting one of them mm. that i didn't need to see any more but i thought oh interesting when they're veering into where it wasn't Peter that was bitten, so like Hobie Brown, who's the Prowler, is the uh, anarchic uh, Spider-Man, who's the punk Spider-Man, that actually is very important in the Spider-Verse story. Mm-hmm. He's got, yeah, but he's got spikes coming through, and then when they revealed that it was Hobie Brown, I was like, oh, that's cool, because I've always liked the Prowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I think that was one of the first issues of Spider-Man I ever had, was uh, was one with the Prowler in it. Isn't the Prowler's daughter the Prowler now? Or? I don't know. but just oh, no, see, it's the Beetle. The Beatles' daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. but to see uh, Hobie, you know, and but for the most part, it's it has felt like okay, you know, give me a serious story about. Well, I can't believe it, that was the wrong way of phrasing it. Give me a serious story about Spider Ham, <laughs> or give me a Spider Monkey solo story. Uh, yeah. By the way, rest in peace, Spider Monkey. I'm so ticked they killed him. And I I picked up the uh, I picked up the one this week, and I flipped through it trying to make this decision. And the one that I really loved the oh, concept no. of, of was only one page, and it was the 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 Spider Man from the Capcom fighting games. This one, okay, and no, this is one I, page. But I I beg to differ on this. This was what was worth it for me. Oh, the Anansi that they actually made Anansi matter with Captain Britain with Spider UK. I saw that, and that, that was that was the hard one to not read. Yeah, no, you if you already have it, read it. No, if I didn't you, read it. I didn't buy it. Okay, then I will let you. I will let you borrow this tonight, but okay. you must give it back to me because Luke will love that Anansi story, okay. and I love that they went to Anansi. And I'm like, good. There's a you know there that's really cool. So anyway, but but I totally get what you're saying. Unfortunately, this week I like went into the store and went. I don't even know what these books are costing me. I just 
just give me some more. And that was a mistake. And I've got to do the same kind of intervention thing. So I don't think that was six books. I think it was just four. That was seven. That was seven? Yeah. So, I mean. Wait, let's do a quick recap because I lost count. The recap was Angela. And I counted Trinity of Sin as three books. Angela, Pandora, Phantom Stranger. Oh, no, that's only one book now. But I I had told them they were still on the the buy list, so they got canceled. Uh, But I I, I want to say a word for Trinity of Sin only because the writer, J.M. DeMatteis, is a guy I really, really like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I do think that's editorial thing. Like, he's trying to make a decent sandwich out of – what was a horribly flawed rethinking of things because I, and I only read the first two issues. He's trying to get the, the usual spiritual themes and the thinking in outside the box about, about reality that, um, he does very well. Uh-huh. Um, but he's hobbled by characters that aren't the characters what with the get- exception of Pandora. The question should not be a supernatural character. And the no, Phantom no. stranger right. should not be Judas. But you know, which one is the most interesting of the three now? The question, the way they're the way they're writing his his dialogue is great. Everything he everything he says is a question, and it's it's sure. I, I like, but he doesn't need to be supernatural. But he he doesn't, doesn't need to no, be no. created by Ditko. If they took him out of <laughs> if they yeah. d- if they took him away from the other two, he gave him his own book. Which of course I love the original question run, um, the DC run, the DC mean. run, yeah, not the Charlton one, not the Charlton, the Denny O'Neill. Yeah, the Denny yeah. O'Neill one was awesome. So and it was, and that should just be reprinted yeah. over and over, and <laughs> let kids discover that, or let young adults discover that, and go, wow, it's it's of its time. Yeah, but it's cool. It's gritty. It's kind of like Elmore Leonard. Yes. In, you yes. Know, yes. Plus a little Zen in there, and, and they explain you know, he's that it's not he's not faceless. He actually has something in the mist that takes his Professor mouth off. Ignatz's uh, invention. Yeah. Wait, is, is it Ignatz? Fake skin. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, this is going to bother me. Like, okay, because he and the Creeper have almost the same basic origin. They just end up becoming very different things. And it's prof- – oh, Aristotle – Rodor. It's Professor Rodor, Rodor. Is, right. is the question, and Professor Ignatz is the is the Creeper. Creeper, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, whoo, the Zorlak rides again. There was smoke come off the top of your head there. Uh, Bobby, because I love both characters. And, and you know, the, the great thing about loving characters that are created by Steve Jaco is there are not a lot of stories to have to follow up on. Yeah. You can you can read them in a night. Um, it just remind me, I have to get the Ditko volume two with the uh, – I have the Creeper one. I need to get the one with the Hawk and Dove. Anyway. Um, we should do a quick what's in the bag. Let's do uh, Let's do it. Okay, You can ahead. start with the big book, of course. The big book? The, the big book of the week, uh, which is also a four ninety nine book and totally worth it, is the first issue of the return – that's not the title, but it's the return of Star Wars to Marvel Publishing. And – like anybody else who is a longtime fan of comics, I was very sad to see Star Wars leave Dark Horse because they'd done such a great job. Yeah. Marvel is doing a different job, but I would say equally as great. This is Star Wars under the Disney regime, absolutely. But as I noted in my review on the website, I think the difference is Dark Horse went deep and psychological and did a lot of things, as a lot of the expanded universe actually did too, that were not necessarily family friendly corners of the of the Star Wars universe. True. And they went through a lot of a lot of really side or sideways stories and yeah. back and forwards in and, time. And still, I don't want to take anything away. What Dark Horse did was great no, work. But storytelling. I 
And, and they had launched Dark Horse about two years ago, did a, a Star Wars book that took place right after A New Hope. Right. It was much more psychological by Brian Wood, who'd written the Northlanders book and is doing some work for Image now. And it was more in the heads of the characters. Right. What was, what did and it that really was mean? a very valid take. Princess Leia was still dealing with the destruction of her planet. And it, you know? Right. And I really enjoyed that. And I, I don't want to take that away. But that's not what, when I was 11, drew me into Star Wars. Yeah. If Lucas or if Disney's version of Lucasfilm had anything to do with this, here's what I say. They're knocking it out of the park in a way that Lucas himself spun out of control and didn't allow for a long time. Because when you compare this book with Rebels on, is it Disney XD yeah. right now? With Rebels, which I watched only the pilot episode of Rebels so far. I watched the whole season. And yeah. And when you watch it and you go, this feels like Star Wars. Yeah. And this book feels like Star Wars. Jason Aaron, who wrote Thor and is writing Thor right now, is not necessarily one of my favorite writers. All is forgiven um, because this feels like this is episode 4.5. This is this is a couple months after the great, right. you know, after the throne room scene where, or when they get the medals. And I have a feeling that the Darth Vader miniseries, which I think comes out in a week the first issue and uh, princess leah princess leah looks like it takes them right after that right after that so they're going to fill in some things with a little solo character uh mini series because i hope they're not ongoings because i really yeah i don't want to say this right right i don't want it to be like the sprawling star wars universe i want to follow one thing one core book and then when you then when the movies turn into little solo films okay but that's a little too much i'd i'd like the universe to be at a size that I can keep up with. Yeah. But John Cassidy's art, which I admit is not as smooth as it has been on some other books like Planetary or on the Uncanny X-Men or the uh, Astonishing Astonishing X-Men run. Um, The cover is the inside feels like he might have been a little bit rushed. There are some panels, but But you know what? John Cassidy rushed is still better than three quarters of the people working in. You can recognize every character in the book. Not only that, you can see the acting yeah. of of the of the real people. It's like there are shots of Han Solo that I'm like, that's cocky Harrison Ford at, at yep. age 35 with better dialogue than George Lucas ever <laughs> gave him, you know. And, and I and I doubt that Harrison Ford reads comics, but he might read this and, and weep at I you know wish he'd had that dialogue. So this is actually one I may actually do the digital comic. I you know do the digital download to keep on my phone because I just like looking at it. And it was pretty, and I was not, and I bought it because I wanted to buy it, but I was not expecting that I would go like, oh, this is going to be fun, that I want to just kind of revisit, kind of make sure I keep it out and available for my son the next time I have him so that he gets to read this. And even though it does have a little dark turn. Um, but it, it's it's got all the notes of a Star Wars film, the the... The well, everything's going fine the until neck, the one you, thing you know, goes wrong, and it, it opens falling with apart. that breakneck, with that almost heist feel, you yeah. know that that really all of them do. You're in yep. the middle of the action without having to have a lot of explanation, which is where the Phantom Menace went so horribly wrong. Like you have to read a sociopolitical economic tome <laughs> before you understand. Oh, I see what they're and doing. And I defy people to explain what's going on socioeconomically at the beginning of the Phantom Menace. But this is like right in there, and it's just it was fun. It was very very fun. And what I've got to say, so this is this is the best selling book in the 21st century, over wow. a million copies shipped, um, or at least as far as you know. I still think so there are not video- one to buy a lot of copies of. 
Here's the thing. This is what I want to want to say about it is I saw people at the store yesterday coming in just to buy Star Wars, but they weren't buying like five copies Good. like they were when Barack Obama was on the cover of Good. Amazing Spider-Man. They were not speculators. They were people who had heard there was this Marvel comic and they wanted to see what it was about. Yes. And they bought one copy and I hope that they went home and read it and really enjoyed it. So that this is a book that people are just going to respond to. I doubt the second issue has orders anywhere near that over a million. But the fact is, this is a book, as there are many books that are worth it, this is a book that's worth selling over a million copies of. And like I said, I was sorry to see Dark Horse lose the license. Uh, one, because admittedly, I do have friends at Dark Horse, but, you know, and they were and they were knocking out of the park. And now Michelle Saman, former po- Fanboy Planet podcaster and staffer, is no longer part of Star Wars continuity. I'm sorry, Michelle, it's true. But it's okay. Maybe he's in the extended unit. He's no the, expanded. It's uh, gone no, away. It's, legends. It's legends. Legends. Yeah, he's, a, he's a legend. Now. He's a le- oh crap! Don't let him hear that. Uh, but I, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're thinking, I don't think I want to pick up this book. You go do. In, no, go into the store. Read the first four pages. It'll mm-hmm. take you thirty seconds, and you will buy this book. It, it's great. Yeah. And like I said, it's better than. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure. Like I thought the same thing. Carrie Fisher would probably be jealous. Like. Well, Princess Leia should have acted like that. You know, I'm thinking it wouldn't be the first time Cassidy's art had made it into a motion comic. I would love to see that. And, I would really you, love to see that. We know that uh, we know that there are a couple of characters, uh, a couple of actors who've done voice work before who could, mm-hmm, who could actually do mm-hmm. the Well, let's reading. talk about what's next in your... Really, you think? Yeah. Um, hmm. okay. okay, so next in my list is uh, the 100th issue... The 100th issue of Dynamite's Vampirella. Has it really been 100 issues, or do they fake that? They are, uh, I believe what they're doing is they're collecting all the issues of all the series of Vampirella that okay. they've done, which is still, that's still quite a bit. Okay. Um, this is an anthology book. Uh, it's a bunch of diff- different art- artists, a diff- bunch of different writers. Uh, probably most prominent is Nancy A. Collins, who is yes is the current. She's they just rebooted about seven eight issues ago, the main Vampirella book with her writing it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I mean, she's she's uh, she did work on Swamp Thing and um, I'm trying to think of the other yes uh, Sonia Blue the Sonia Blue stories. Uh, yeah, she's a well-known novelist. Yeah, yeah. so so. Um, She's got one story in here, and it's a nice uh, bunch of different. They've got the first one's black and white, kind of, which harkens back, of course, to the uh, Warren Warren books. books. And then there was also Harris, I think, who reprinted them, right, or or revived the character in black and white as well during the eighties and nineties, which I had several of the issues of. But they're entertaining stories, and the nice thing about this issue is it's a good introduction to Vampirella, and it doesn't require you to be up on any other And Nancy stories. A. Collins is also writing the Vampirella Altered States. That was the ah, Elseworlds. That's right, that's right. I, and we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it on the podcast, and went, oh, I know it's an Elseworlds kind of thing. I couldn't remember the name of it. Altered States, in which uh, my friend David Avalone is writing the Doc Savage and the Shadow Altered States. So uh, we'll look to have... And it's a that. Joe Jisco cover, and it's oh, the... Of course the, it is. The, um, there are multiple covers that are available for this, and I think the the main regular one is the best one of all, which so you don't have to hunt down the other ones. Well, isn't that... That's always nice. Yeah. So, okay, good. Um, I'm going to call attention to, you know, because I go to an image, Top Cow book, which you can't get a subscription to, uh, because it's a series of miniseries. 
and actually, I'm going to email um, the creator, Laramie, and we had uh, Nate interviewed him for at Comic Con, so one of our old podcasts has. But I'd like to get him uh, on to talk about this book because I think it needs all the publicity it can. It can get a voice in the dark. Uh, this is the second issue of the second miniseries called Get Your Gun. Well, actually, I think it's the third miniseries. There were two arcs that were collected into one trade paperback that you can still get. Um, this is a Terry Moore cover, so a lot of fan-favorite artists are doing covers for him. Okay. And Terry Moore being the... Uh, uh, creator of uh, Strangers, Strangers in Paradise. Paradise. Yeah. Um, and, and, a, and a nice guy, by the way. You know, yeah. Sat next to him at a con- convention a while back. Um, but A Voice in the Dark is... I, I've talked about it a couple times, and Nate talked about it. And uh, as always, my one of my watch phrases is, all right, always take Nate's recommendation about a good book. Uh, because I, I devoured A Voice in the Dark when I bought the trade. Um, when I was up at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival uh, in the fall, in September, I found a comic book store that had them all packaged. And I, one of my students said, what's a good book to read, Mr. McConaughey? I said, you would love A Voice in the Dark. And she emailed me and said, oh, my God, it's the best thing I've ever written. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's about this girl who becomes a radio DJ at college um, who is also a burgeoning serial killer. And so... And she's in this kind of L.A. suburb college. And there's another serial killer who's been operating for quite some time. And their paths are crossing. And the first trade paperback sort of ends with that, like, uh, they're aware of each other. And this is about them circling around each other. And the question of, well, kind of, at least her victims are really people who have done terrible things. So is she kind of a Dexter, or yeah. is she evil? And how do you? And, and she's only eighteen or nineteen. How's she dealing with this? And I'm reading this, going one. It would be a fantastic movie, hmm. and it would you know be a really cool horror film, cat and mouse people, you know, and I, which I think the intended audience that movies are made for, you know, I mean the eighteen to twenty five or the fifteen to twenty five would be like eating this thing up and it could be done without being terribly gross you know um and i know that you don't do comics just to do that but i think if a creator ever deserved to get a lot of hollywood money this would be laramie taylor um he he's in the back is actually unfortunately the book was delayed because his wife had some medical issues and so they have a kind of a photo of the two of them in the back here and, uh-huh. and, and if you recall it's not why you should read the book but just to, you know laramie writes and draws uh, with his teeth uh, because he has uh, a, a physical condition that uh, basically renders his hands incapable of, of holding the pen. So, um, you know, one, really great guy. Two, really great book. And I'm not, you know, I, I can't stress it enough. And, um, yes, his backgrounds are a little simplistic, and this, this miniseries is colored, um, you know, and, and it's been a very interesting coloring job that kind of hides some of the simplicity of the backgrounds. But but his plotting, his angles, the way he's telling the story, it's just a great book, and I don't know if enough people are paying attention to it. So A Voice in the Dark from Image, Top Cow, uh, Get Your Gun is the second miniseries, second of five issues. So cool. you can still find it, pick it up. All right. My uh, second is... From last week, actually, but since we skipped, I think it's still valid. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this this breaks a couple of rules here because this is a Marvel book, and it only costs a dollar ninety nine, and it's The Avengers No More Bullying. Oh, I didn't pick that up because which, I felt like I understood that bullying should be no more. 
And I, I think so, too. But uh, the stories were actually uh, pretty neat. Wait a minute. Was Rocket in there? The, the Guard Against the Galaxy. Yes, he, it? Dang it. Um, I, I go back and I buy think this it. is this is this book. The production on this is so high. The art and um, I is, think it's selling to, to exactly the right audience to pick this up. And it's not overly preachy. Um. The way the way so many of the you know you shouldn't do drugs kids of course, kind of you know we yeah um, is any money from the sale going to a charity or uh, an organization? You know, I, didn't, I don't remember. I remember reading this. Um, I think they just did this basically as a as a uh, as a um, what do they call it? Public service kind of thing. Yeah, it'd just be nice if there's nothing that really stands out that says anything any of the production. Okay, but. It's a dollar ninety nine, so not making this is this is the production value of a three ninety nine or four ninety nine book, with good artists and um, good storylines. So, and all right, top line characters. So, if it's still on yourself, and especially if you can buy some extra issues and drop them off at a school or you know hand them out properly, uh, nice to see. Nice to see. I most of the most of the time they they do stuff like this it comes across really forced and yeah. underproduced and I've this read one some really bad ones I've I I've back in the days when I bought everything yeah as opposed to I buy almost everything um I just read a lot of bad preachy books yeah. you know and that's why I passed up on this one so so good to know good to know Avengers no more bullying yeah um I'm going to go next I do you know I want to I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak a two for one in here. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, because one is one that I just think Marvel, which is usually really really good at crossovers, uh-huh. about crossing their IPs over and making sure the books are uh, one. Here's the best: Shield, written by Mark Wade with uh, artwork by Humberto Ramos. Uh, in the second issue, he, I can't remember who drew the first one. Very different style, dealing with Agent Simmons. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jim- uh, uh, golly, uh, G- yeah, Gemma, Gemma Simmons. Um, oh yes, Gemma Simmons. You know, putting her strong, firmly in the Marvel universe. Crossover with Ms. Marvel. Second issue again. The young, teenage, the young teenage Ms. Marvel. Stretchy Ms. Marvel. And really, Mark Wade has made it almost. It feels like, oh yeah, all those characters they made up for for Agents of Shield on TV. They've been in the Marvel Universe for years. No, they haven't. But but he makes them in feel organically in there. And what I really, really love, I hope they're keeping this up, is that each story, each issue is a story done in one. Ah, yes. And I really hope that continues because that's, you know, the average person who likes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to walk in and go, give me Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you know, and yeah, when see, you were a kid, and you didn't get, you, and you bought like a Superman, right? And, right? and then you didn't maybe go into another, another, you didn't get another comic for like maybe two months, and you bought another Superman, and you didn't go, oh, I missed. Four, uh, well, and I know distribution this. is different because the other thing yeah. is when we were kids, there were these things called drug stores, and they didn't sell drugs. Well, they did, but they, but that was in the back in the pharmacy. It was. You know, I just had this conversation with my son. <laughs> Why is Safeway called food and drugs? And I was like, because they have a pharmacy in the back. You know, it's okay. But, um, but yeah, because you with the way distribution was, you could go to that go to that Rexall. That was mine. You know, Ronda Rexall. Yeah. I'd take my bike down with my huffy and go down and see what's on the spinner rack and be like. 
you might not see the next issue. It might, you know, because it'd be gone by the time you got down there or whatever. You know, it might be two or three months before you even had a chance to get your hands on right, another copy. Right. So, um, yeah, this is a great throwback. Where they, their misstep is, and we'll probably come back in television, is Operation Sin, which was in and yes. of itself not a bad book, but it's Agent Carter. Yes. It's Peggy and Howard. Yes. You've got... Hands down, I'm sorry, the best television series based on a comic book. I, I'm going to say Agent Carter kicks is, is even pulled ahead of the Flash for me right now in three episodes. Based on characters, based from, on a comic characters book. from a comic book. And the only reason Operation Sin exists with Peggy and Howard Hard. is to tie into the gamble that Agent Carter would be recognized as a fantastic television series which it is, and instead, it's set in the 50s, it's dealing with that man on the wall from Original Sin, and they barely, the situation is not the same right. at all. So right. you, if somebody, not only that, it's not called Agent Carter, it's called and it Operation should Sin. be. Yeah, I know. Because who's going to walk in and go, I want Operation Sin because I, I like the show. show Operation Sin. <laughs> you didn't. You watched Agent Carter. Right. And... And so you have to get a knowledgeable person, a clerk, which, of course, any clerk worth their salt is going to know that, but, you know, at a comic book store. But, you know... It, if they're smart, the next issue will, up at the top, say, Agent Carter in, in Operation Sin. Sin. Yes. Yeah. Because um, I Even don't, though the stories don't really tie in. I don't know how the TV series is going to do a second... If the series is going to be do a second season, but I hope they do, because... We'll get back to it in TV. Yeah, we'll get back to it. But, but have, it's the I have rare, a little bit of a different twist on it than you do. So. But it's the rare misstep in cross in in, in tie in that because Marvel usually does such a fantastic job. But of it. still a recommended book. For uh, you. Oh, I recommend Agent. I recommend Shield. Yeah, I don't necessarily recommend Operation, Operation Sin. Gotcha. I thought it was too inside. So uh, another tie in to a media property. I haven't read my copy of that yet. Uh, uh, is again from last week, so you have no excuse. Um, I do. I just this is such a fun book. I caught up on months worth of books. We've got Ant Man. Oh, Ant Man! And it's it's almost acknowledging, and it really is acknowledging. He's just a really small guy, and that's his power. What uh, can you do? But look at I love the front. The first cover that's covered with ants. The first page. Sure, this is all the ants around the outside. Um. We, it's it's a lovely, lovely, and it's a summation that is essentially superhero book that is essentially all you need. What, what I need to know about, to know I think, about the character. but I think that the movie is going to cover too. Yeah, which I'm almost. I think we're going to have a muddy transition into into movies right now because I want to throw in an extra because it's a trade paperback because ah. this has not been collected. I've been looking for months since the trailer for the movie came out, like at Comic Con. Awesome I think they released it. It grew on me. It grew on me. Oh man! Because um, I'm just happy that Colin Firth is part of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, is finding the, the superhero universe. Um, I want to bring that. So what we're talking about is Kingsman: The Secret Service, which was originally published under the title "Secret: The Secret Service." But um, since there have been all kinds of stupid lawsuits from the Broccoli's uh, about anything that even that 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 could even most vaguely seem to be infringing upon James Bond. They wisely called it Kingsman yeah. uh, and changed the title. So the trade paperback came out uh, yesterday at the store with a movie tie-in cover. 
six issues. This is from Marvel, and why it was notable again. Six issues, one bo- bound in one book, book for fourteen ninety five. Fourteen. And I'm sorry, I just said that wrong because that was actually the Manifest Destiny Volume Two I bought. It's twelve ninety nine. Thirteen dollars American money for, for six issues. The original was not that cheap. And so I read they're learning from image. I, I would hope so, because yeah. I read chapter one and it's it's Mark Miller, Dave Gibbons on art. They co-plotted with Matthew Vaughn, who directed the film. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly intended to be a film adaptation. But when Mark Miller intends to do it. Yeah. You get something like kick ass. You get something like what I hope Kingsman will be. You don't get wanted. The film version of Wanted sucks, but it was all out of Mark Miller's hands. But the, and, the graphic novel was great. The graphic novel was great. And so ha- having this, finally, you can get it in one in one nice volume. It's, uh, you know, I'll admit the binding's probably not quite as high quality as if Marvel had charged me $20 for it. But I just but really just wanted to read the story. I really wanted to read the story and have yeah. this. And I know a couple people that want, want it. So I was glad to have it at an affordable price. So I just want to call it out that Kingsman, the Secret Service, is available in trade. That's fine and dandy. Um, so we can talk about it because I don't think we talked about the Ant-Man trailer that debuted last week right? with uh, with Agent Carter. Although what I, I do love that Marvel leaked it at ant size. That was awesome. That was a brilliant move. And, of course, people enlarge. And, and those people are people with more time than I have. So I'm not going to mock them for it. I'm just going to say, well, good for you. Um, and I'm going to say this. Truly, until I watched on television, I watched it online first. I was not super impressed by the way the trailer's cut. I'm not unimpressed by the idea of the movie. Right. I just thought the trailer was done poorly. It's 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 an early trailer. I I don't know how much they of the film they had to work with to do that trailer. They've they've finished. But when I mean, they they finished filming. They they finished principal photography. But they there are a lot of special effects and things. You don't care afterwards. Okay. Don't care because James Gunn had shot three days on Guardians of the Galaxy when he essentially had that trailer. He debuted at Comic Con. He locked it in. It was locked into place. The ultimate trailer that came out to everyone later was not significantly different Mm. from what he showed at Comic-Con. And let's face it, from the beginning, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer absolutely rocked. Yes. The pacing of this trailer was bad. And part of it was the music. I think you'd commented online. The music was just like this serious dramatic thing. And I got that what they were trying to do. The beats of the dramatic music did not play. What they were trying to do was make it seem like dun, 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 very portentous. And like, this is a serious action movie. I'm putting on my jacket, but they didn't have a good, yeah, they didn't have good punchlines. Like Paul Rudd's too, like, is it too late to change the name? Which probably in the movie would be very funny. Yes. Because Paul Rudd can throw off any line. Um, go back and watch the ten that movie with you know, about the Ten Commandments uh, from the guys that did the state. Uh, David Wayne that did his Children's Hospital too. That you know Paul Rudd can is one of those guys. He's he's not a comedian. He's an actor who can say things funny. Yes, and he can make anything funny. And he's just like it's just gonna. It just felt especially because of the Michael Douglas narration too. I need you to be. And, uh, you know, my son and I are watching it. My mother's in the room and she goes, huh. 
oh, I thought I recognized this that voice, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. It's, you know, and it was just it was just typical. It was like a greed is good speech. You know, it was, it was maybe it's Michael Michael Douglas's thing. I like the concept. My belief is that it's essentially Michael Douglas gets to absorb the basic assholishness that that most people think Hank Pym has because of the yellow ja- whole yellow jacket right, thing without right, being right. yellow jacket because right. he's not. Um, but he also gets to set up the idea that um, if if what I'd read over the of the Edgar Wright script was was right is that he was Ant Man in the sixties. He just didn't care to advertise it like right. he had this technology and i think that's 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 kind of cool and it goes with the character you know the, and it the, adds the, a the depth power. to the marvel yeah. universe that is like oh heroes were running around that maybe shield or what became shield didn't, didn't know, know about. about yeah um you know but then like I say michael douglas gets to absorb the jerkiness that is that people associate with hank pym i think pym gets a bad rap you know, I mean, it was bad plotting, sure, but why be stuck with something that happened in the '80s? Because you know, otherwise, then we'd all still have those ridiculous haircuts, and uh, and those big shoulder pads in our jackets, and uh, I could go on parachute pants, uh, you know. But that was the '80s. It just bad stuff happened. Just don't don't do the can't touch this dance. I couldn't take that. It's a visual. I've yeah. learned. Um, you know, and Scott Lang gets to be Scott Lang gets to be the heroic Ant Man, and or the kind of you know he's doing it for the right reason, but he's a little roguish. Yeah, you know, I I I like everything about it, but I didn't find the trailer all that compelling. I just felt it was like, you know, okay. And I know it's been a troubled production. We know that with scripts and right, you know, different. and it's funny because the the trailer hit on Tuesday night, and then next night was the night the day the next day was when Ant Man the comic came out. Yeah. So, I mean, well timed. It was just yeah. like I just think that they they, they didn't knock, and, and it's okay because it's only a trailer. I would rather go, eh, it's a trailer, and then of course the next day everybody's like going, <laughs> I'm seeing all over Facebook, you people are just jumping on. Nobody knows anything about Ant Man. You're just acting like you care. Blah blah blah. I'm like, really? Who cared about Guardians of the Galaxy until right until that trailer hit? Right. And you know, Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live. Well, I did, I did too, but you know, but I mean, the average person did not know until they saw a really and that's the and that's the problem is True. Guardians of the Galaxy when that trailer came hit when that went mainstream especially the UK one and and I remember you commenting like I've never seen a mo- I've never seen a trailer with so much footage that's not in the movie and it's because they shot footage specifically I think for the trailer because they knew James Gunn knew that he had a property that the average person not the hundred and thirty thousand people gathered in San Diego yeah. knew nothing about. Yeah. He had to sell a man a wounded man child, a green girl, which is always a good selling point, by the way. Green girl, uh, yeah. a, a green guy in Drax, uh, a tr- a walking tree and a talking raccoon. Right. As these are your superheroes. <laughs> as the toys you're gonna want to have at Christmas, you know, and it's like You'll be fighting over these on Black Thursday. <laughs> Black Friday. I, I I still need some a few things. Um, you know, I, I got to get one of those big talking racco- ra- rockets. Um, but anyway, you know, I mean, the thing is the trailer can't make the difference. And Mar- and I trust Marvel. I do. Yeah. But I just was not like, oh, thank you. Finally, we get to see something for Ant-Man. You know, except actually if they'd left the trailer that small, if they'd just shown it on Agent Carter and like this little tiny a big white screen and a little tiny action in the middle and then people are going what the f I WTD I that would be I would have loved that I yeah. would have gone and then just in big letters Ant-Man <laughs> would have gone yes 
that was brilliant. And then you hear them like really tiny, like saying, Scott, I need you to be the Ant-Man. I would have just <laughs> died. You know, but yeah. they, they just didn't have the courage of it. Um, so anyway, but there you go. Uh, so before we talk into rumors and stuff and all the fun, uh, we can talk about that uh, this morning, the Oscar nomination. Was it just this morning? It was this morning. You know, I got to say how my life has changed. And I've just, there was a time I would get up early to watch E! And watch the nominations be oh, really? uh, unveiled. And like, I was so excited. I didn't even know. I like woke up, I checked my Facebook feed, which I probably shouldn't do. I should probably just like, you know, have a life. Um, you know, but I get I, I wake up, I check Facebook on my phone, and then everybody's talking about the nominations. I'm like, Oh, that was today. And then I go, one I've only seen one best picture. Nom. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy didn't get nominated for too. best picture. Yeah. But that's yeah. I wanted to be nominated for best right. picture. Yeah. So I feel disassociated. Um, you know, so I, I don't think there's a lot of there there for us as nerds. I think as movie fans, as discriminating people of taste, I certainly don't have a quibble with any of the nominations for you're, Best Picture. You're gonna, you're gonna, you went, I know you haven't seen Birdman yet, but you'll you'll gravitate to that. Especially I'm hoping that I get to, to see the, it this weekend. No, I, it's on my list. It was just, uh, yeah. it came out at a time that was very hard for me to get to the theater. True. And then... Uh, and 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 I think it's back at camera. I'm hoping it's still at camera three this weekend so that I can go. And uh, how many of the Marvel series one, um, phase one movies got Oscar nominations? Are there, were they all in visual effects? I think they all. I were. think Iron Man got got one. Got visual effects. Um, you know, I know that the this they were hoping that Alan Menken's song in Captain America. The uh, first Avenger would get nominated, and it didn't. It yeah. was shut out. Which is you know, it was a good song. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's. I think Avengers might have gotten some, and maybe some sound editing. Yeah, um, you know, I, and that's where I'm going to agree that makeup and hair for Guardians of the Galaxy, and then visual effects, certainly they're great. Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's not it. I think uh, my guess is Birdman's going to be um, Into the Woods costume and production design. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, Lego Movie, everything is awesome. So original song totally deserves it. Um, but not not a nom for animated film. Not an animated for, film. I don't. I, I'm not quibble. Although I haven't seen Song of the Sea. In fact, I, I, let me let me rephrase that. I haven't heard of Song of the Sea <laughs> or the Tale of the Princess Kaguya, which is probably my because I have a feeling I ha, I know I have some friends who will go. What you haven't seen that? Um, you know, and I, I haven't even heard of it. But I did love Big Hero Six. I did love How to Train Your Dragon Two. I couldn't believe. How they had topped the, the first the sequel one. tops the first one, which never happens. Well, rarely happens. Rarely happens. Let me say it because some absolutely because the Winter Soldier certainly topped First Avenger. It's true. And uh, Gremlins Two still the greatest sequel in the history of mankind. <laughs> uh, in the history of sequels, uh, except maybe the Odyssey to the Iliad. Um, you know, they say love Big Hero Six and the Box Trolls, which is I'm going to say right now of the three of the five that I've seen. The box trolls is probably the one that I would give because it's truly an achievement. Although I want to say, you know, Big Hero Six and How to Train Your Dragon Two, there are shots in those films where if you're really watching, and I think you've seen Big Hero Six once, I have not seen it yet. I've not seen it. I've I seen it three seen it. times, and there are shots in there where I'm like, until a character moves, I'm convinced I'm seeing a photograph. Hmm. And then a character walks in who's sort of like cartoony or whatever, and I'm noticing I'm going, oh, 
Yeah, that's right. It's a cartoon. Um, it's animated. It's there's, but I don't know if that's really, if that's what the criterion, right? Or, you know, right. or what the criteria are for what should make a best picture? Because you and I at dinner were kind of arguing the Lego Movie. Uh, you didn't think, wouldn't think it was that impressive as an animation achievement, but I thought overall, if it's a, if it's about the quality of a film, yes. Uh, of a film that I want to watch over and over. The Lego movie is not a Lego movie. It's actually a Lego film. There's a very, very subversive... It's an interesting, it's an interesting point because uh, what what is the criteria for best animated film then? If it's a great, great it's a movie, ca- but it's, I'll tell you it what it, I mean, because I know why forward. it exists. The category only exists because people were ticked the Beauty and the Beast got a best, a regular Best Picture uh-huh. nomination, and just like the New York Times had to create a children's a be- children's bestseller list because Harry Potter was taking four of the ten slots on the New York Times bestseller right. list, it's a ghettoization of what of a, I of think should just be. It, a, it's, it's yeah, it's it's sub media. Yeah, instead it should just be look. Is it a Best Picture? In which case, no, probably the Lego Movie would not be best picture worthy. But it is an interesting film with an interesting subversive message that is both saying, be part of a team, but be right. creative individual. Right. And don't and, let yourself be subsumed and by And I'm the, not sure what's what by the, the end is reconciled, but I was also laughing from beginning to end. Best portrayal of Batman ever, and I'm gonna say it even tops First up. time. You know, other than Batman sixty six. But but the modern best portrayal of the modern Batman definitely, you know, uh, you know, I only work in black. Or very, very dark gray, uh, which is, still kills me. Uh, you know, and even a Star Wars cameo, which I still couldn't believe made it in there, you yeah. know. Um, so, you know, and, and plus, but I give it. Everything is awesome. A tremendously catchy tune. And it got my son into Devo. So I owe a lot to Lego. <laughs> but, um, you know, but of them all, Box Trolls is probably the greatest, I would say, film of as a work of art. You know, a, a message, and it's bizarre. I know it's based on a novel, which I, th- I think is called "Here There Be Monsters," um, and it, but it's just cute and clever, and and you're just really never sure where it's going. And the cast is amazing, and uh, God bless him, uh, Tracy Morgan, voices a villain that I was completely unre- un- unrecognizable. I was like, this is like I've never when I saw in the credits it was Tracy Morgan. It's like his uh, I've never seen him act. I've never heard him act like this. He's always just been Tracy Morgan. He's not in this movie as a voiceover. Yeah. He's incredible. And I say God bless him because unfortunately it sounds like he hasn't really recovered from his accident and he may never. Yeah, uh, it's not looking great. You know, so um it's it was just a it, it was just a very moving film and um and I was surprised that it was. You know, I mean I was surprised how much uh, how good it really was. So Did you see Interstellar? I did. Okay. Five five nominations for that film. I mean it all they're all around the idea of a of a film quality, not necessarily storytelling. Right. And I thought that I thought it was I, I actually came away from that movie thinking this is the best science fiction movie that I've seen in years. No, maybe, we talked about that. Decade. And I uh, you know, you know, I would have to disagree. Have you seen Moon? Yes, I saw Moon. See, I, I really I, I think I, and I'm more drawn to this is because I don't think Moon compromised what it was about. Like, I think the thing is, like, we talked about this on the podcast. Interstellar w- was good. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I feel that there are parts, 
That's my thing about Christopher Nolan. I think he has some really, really cool concepts. Right. I don't think the execution is always great, but it's all, but it's executed in a way that everybody can walk away getting what's going on. Like it doesn't matter if you don't understand the gravity thing that's going on in Interstellar, um, because you get the emotion. It, they're very emotion filled films, yeah. although some people call them cold. You know, um, Inception is very like, oh, what a cool concept. And as long as you just kind of go, okay, you follow it. Which I did. I never had a confusion as to what level you were on. Right. It was a really neat idea. It absolutely was. Whereas I feel like like little things like uh, the smaller sci-fi films in the past few years I think have Moon, been more moving to me. And Moon more kind touching. of felt like an X minus one story that had been made in a movie. Just kind of like it's it's an old school science fiction which, trope. Well, which is fine. fine. Which yeah. is fine. Yeah. So. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's it. I'll be certainly watching, because Neil Patrick Harris is hosting, greatest host, host in ever. the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and oh, my God. Again, to jump to television, he's now on American Horror Story Freak Show. Oh, really? Oh, he's so good. And it's just like, just as that series, like I thought, I knew everything it was going to give. It throws in the one thing that was missing from the Freak Show, and I hadn't <laughs> thought. It, it, it's a two for one. Okay. He's... A shell-shocked World War II vet who's been essentially rendered impotent because, of course, there's always got to be a sexual quirk in American Horror Story. Sun also rises. Uh, <clears throat> no, no, no. He can still um, – here's his quirk, though. He can do it, but he has to be watched by his female ventriloquist dum- dummy. So they threw in – and he's a stage magician. So he's got – he's a magician. He's got a ventriloquist dummy. And I went – and he walked in, and when the ventriloquist dummy came out, I was like – that's what was missing. This the freak show was full of everything that scares me, and this was the one thing <laughs> that was missing. Ventriloquist dummy. A female ventriloquist dummy, who was then played because she appears to him as a live person, who was played by the actress who was the uh, who has Down syndrome, who was in the first season as the girl who was like, oh. "You're gonna die in there," and um, I don't know if they're dubbing her voice or if she had real. If she had exaggerated her vocal qualities for, for the, the first, first season, one. because she I feels saw like that first episode, she so feels like about. a completely different character, a different person, and I rec- and I went wow, and I you know I think it's it was a great way to bring her back because obviously she does have a very specific look, uh-huh. um, and uh, so it was just like I was, he was on this last week and I went ah, now this I won't is sleep so at all. creepy. <laughs> I finally got over the clown thing. Uh, you know, so anyway, back to movies. Because this is this is the story I promised up top. I wish, I wish Nate were here tonight to talk about this. Uh-huh. So yesterday, I ran this piece because everybody was running with it. And I'm still going to stick by it. Well, Let's, you ran it very well, I thought. About Spider-Man? Well, about the, up front you're going, the, I think it's in the title, is Rumors. You know, The rumor that will not, will not die. die. That's it. Okay, we know that after the Sony hack. That uh, that you know Marvel and and Sony did sit down and talk about Spider Man becoming part of Captain America's Civil War. We know that. Uh, we know that those talks also fell apart. Then the rumor has spread up that Sony executives in Japan were upset and they talked to, uh, and they gave a talking to their American counterparts and said, "You're going to go back to the table." So here's what I lean lend credence to: Latino Review is the, and I don't know who the guy actually is because he's got wisely. A pseudonym, D A seven E. So Dave Days. I don't know. Um, date, date. Okay, probably. Um, 
as much as these are rumors that are unfounded when he runs with them, he's almost never wrong. Hmm. Um, and uh, you may see, and I don't know why it's on, a, you know, what he's got, who he is, wh- where he's in, but his sources are better than any cool he's news. He's from the future. He, he must be because he runs with this stuff and he says, you know, he only runs with it. He's like, I'm hearing it from too many sources, blah, blah, blah. And he has this whole thing outlined for the for phase three and where it's going to go. And he said they backed the back to the table and that Spider-Man is going to join in Avengers Infinity War. But that's not the part of the story that I wanted to talk about. So he ran a thing. Uh, and, and last night, some comic resources reached out to Sony, and Sony said, "No, no, no, this isn't true. This isn't true." I'm like, "Well, you know, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but, but that's just be. what they've said. You know, of course, that's what they'd say. You know, because maybe the deal's not done. Because Kevin Feige has said that over and over. It's like, well, we're not going to announce it if the deal's not actually done yet, because he waited two months before he admitted that Benedict Cumberbatch, or three months before he admitted that Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Um, so." But this guy also ran the story that said that uh, Matthew Vaughn, who is the director of Kingsman, had seen Fantastic Four Mm. or a cut of Fantastic Four. And he said, it's very much like Chronicle. So I think you're going to be happy. I really liked it. (laughs) Okay. So that was yesterday's story. I didn't run that part. I was just like, okay, you know, that's I I just kind of breathed a sigh of relief. I still haven't seen Chronicle. So I was like. I don't know if I like Chronicle. And again, I feel, well, Chronicle, what I know of it, isn't Fantastic Four. Chronicle And Chronicle was an okay film. It's the kind of, like, found footage kind of Right, okay, but well, let me get to the meat is, of the story. Which is a, it is a gimmick. So. Let me get to the meat of the story. So, so <laughs> that's yesterday's story. The big headlines everywhere is like, oh, somebody's seen Fantastic Four and liked it. And we like Matthew Vaughn, except Matthew Vaughn did make Kick-Ass 2. I don't know, I haven't seen it, but a lot of people hated that. So uh, anyway, and the whole thing spins upon, it's, it's like Chronicle. So today, Bleeding Cool runs and says, uh, Fox is really executives within Fox are really unhappy with Fantastic Four. Why? Because it's, it's just, just like, like Chronicle. Chronicle. That's not what we want. And so apparently, allegedly, allegedly they've gone back to Louisiana. They're rebuilding all the sets they tore down, calling the cast back, pulling in more money and reshooting. Even though they've announced the sequel release date for two years down the road after an, I think it's an August 6th opening and they're going to go July 15th, 2017 for Fantastic Four 2. But <laughs> they, here, should just, they should just hire Roger Corman and get the film out there. <laughs> because here's the thing. It's like this is one of those things where you just go, I know, I know nobody knows anything and I get that and I've, I've read commentary from a lot of people I respect like James Gunn. And I so much name dropping of James tonight. But, you know, on his Facebook feed he's talking about, you know, like nobody goes into making a movie intending to make a movie that sucks. And, and, and sometimes it really is just that it's when you're in the thick of it, you don't really know until you've got it all there and you play it out and then you go, huh. And I know, I mean, there's a subjectivity and that there are movies that I really love that people are like, oh my God, that was terrible. And vice versa. There are people, sure. you know, because there's always going to be a subjectivity to art. Always. And everybody's welcome to their opinion unless it's like, it totally rocked because heads exploded. You know, I want something a little deeper than that. But anyway, um, I'm just precluding anybody who said movies rock because their heads exploded. Um, scanners being one. Uh, so that's the only reason anybody likes scanners. And, 
It took me a long time to admit that. <laughs> so um, the thing is, Fox executives who are now bemoaning that they have Chronicle 2, um, I would like to call your attention to about a year ago when you sent me a cease and desist letter for uh, republishing a casting notice you yourselves had publicly posted. Yes. And which your argument for making me take down the article was that I was not allowing you to make the movie that fans wanted to see. And my argument back was, no, I'm pointing out to you that you are making the movie that we absolutely do not want to see. And guess what? You made it. You saw it. And you said, crap, we don't want to see this. This is not the movie we wanted to make. So there is no point, there is, there is no step along the way in which people were not telling you, this is not what we want. Yes. And, I, and I grant you, sometimes you shouldn't give the people what they want. You should take it, you should give people what they, what they need, not what they think they want. Because again, truthfully, like, here, you, you take, you put something like James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy, and you say, the screenplay is not, James Gunn enough, go back and make it more James Gunn, and you get Guardians of the Galaxy. Granted, sometimes a gamble like that works. Josh Trank has one movie out of the gate, and it's a gimmick with a Max Landis script, who is a a clever writer, no no doubt. Um, but, you know, that was the argument, too, is that they wanted to make a Chronicle 2, and they asked Max Landis to write it, and he wrote something that wasn't chronicle 2 and they said uh, you know or it was chronicle 2 but it was like our true continuation of what would happen next Next, and and then their complaint was but it's not the same feel and it's like well no it wouldn't be because the story's moved on right you know so i mean this is their they're limited by their own thinking. So I wish Nate were here to just cackle underneath me the entire time. Maybe you can call and get a recording of it and just put oh, that just track a underneath. Loop of Nate of just going, ah! I think I have around here, that around you, here somewhere. You probably do. So anyway, um, that's enough. Uh, you know, maybe Bleeding Cool is full of crap, but again, they haven't seemed to be, you know, uh, respectfully, I like as Rich Johnson puts it, respectfully we informed you at this juncture and i go yes this has been a long time and we you know we've been we've been derisive of this fantastic four take for some time starting with the basic idea that you don't make them mundane when they should be fantastic because by the way it's in the title can't stress it enough yes what else is in the title of Suicide Squad? I hope that doesn't mean anybody does. But uh, Tom Hardy, who was going to play, a, who had been Bane, and was going to now play Rick Flagg, has apparently had to withdraw from the project. Uh, it's supposed to be amicable, but uh, it's, it's basically because he's scheduled, he's shooting another film that the schedule will change and he may be too late. So apparently DC, or sorry, I shouldn't say DC, because Warner, Warner. Warner is reaching out to Jake Gyllenhaal, um, my Oscar nominee. Right? Didn't he get a nomination for uh, Nightcrawler? Yes. So he's played another superhero. No, he hasn't because Nightcrawler is not about Kurt Wagner. But uh, but it's supposed to be a great, great performance. I just haven't seen it. Um, I really haven't seen much. Um, anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal is rumored to be uh, in talks now to replace uh, Tom Hardy as Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad. So I look forward to that. Uh, and then you mentioned that, of course... 
once again, why we didn't get a baby dancing Groot before Guardians of Ga- ready for Guardians of the Galaxy was because you knew that if you put baby dancing Groot in a toy catalog, it would be a spoiler for the film. Yes. So what's happened for Age of Ultron? Toys. Toys spoiled the film for you. Anyway. Well, not totally spoiled. Well, uh, revealed a spoiler. I'm going. I'm going to show you. There, there, there are a lot of people taking a lot of liberties with what they're seeing in the in the uh, in the toys. The only one that really looks like it's dead on is that apparently each of the figures of a hero comes with what they're calling a sub Ultron, which for the most part look like they took the upper torso and head and arms of Ultron and stuck it on a car or stuck it on skeleton uh, on skeleton spider legs or whatever mm-hmm. and so this is this is the uh, we've already seen in the in the uh, in the trailers tons of ultron like beings climbing up the hill to stark mansion or wherever they're going yeah. shooting up through the right uh, right um and and that that goes with what happened in the age of ultron books and what's happened before um but the idea that we've got um, these <laughs> these really strangely it, it reminded me a lot of the creepy doll spider kid from, from Toy, Story. Toy Story. Yeah, um, looking at these things. So that's that's the sub Ultron news. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, again, knowing anything about Ultron for us, it's not a spoiler, and I'm sure it'll make a good scene in the fu- in the next trailer they reveal because they revealed another one. By the way, I don't know if you saw it, where they really focus on the Hulk. Iron Man fight. Oh yeah, 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 which was really nice. I, I, and it, it hadn't been clear before that Iron Man was inside the Hulkbuster armor. At least not to me. I would. I know. I'd seen it because it's it's really fast in the original one, but is it he, comes down on an Iron Man Iron suit like thing? But I was my thought was Ultron takes over a suit and gets into the Hulkbuster and fights the Hulkbuster. and may still yeah. So, you but know. no, in in the trailer they're showing Stark inside the Hulkbuster yeah. with the the yeah. HUD. Uh, but he may be out of control. He may not be in control because you know who knows. But I, I think the, the way they're taking it is that. Uh, and this is one of the things the Latino Review stood by is that I, is that I think there's um, they're standing by the idea that the Hulk is going to get ejected into space. I think that he's going to become too big a problem to I think deal with. It's, on Earth. it's definitely been hinted at because you have the scene with um, Banner uh, huddled up under a blanket, yeah. shaking, and then in, in the in the forest and kind of yeah. staggering through the snow that he's under some kind of distress yeah. as well. And the Hulk is obviously. There's the one scene where the Hulk is reaching his hand out to Black Widow, yeah, where she's apparently calming him, but that's going to obviously go wrong at the last. Well, second. and you say the one thing that character that the character is uh, that none of the movies have really done um, effectively is you, you really haven't seen the Hulk versus Banner idea. It's the next step of development to yeah. be like. You know, you you need to give him some vocalization beyond. I mean, because he, he did say puny God, so he clearly can speak. Yes, um, and we need to let him, you know, do that and maybe have that that internal see that internal battle. You know, it'd be interesting. It's really cool in the current uh, in the current storyline with Doc Green. Have you read any of those? Doc Samson? No, Doc Green. Who's Doc Green? He's the Hulk. Oh, oh, no, I haven't read any of You're not supposed to call him the Hulk anymore. He's Doc Green. Oh, well, no, he's the Hulk to me, baby. Okay. Uh, So, all right, let's uh, let's go to talk. Let's continue to talk about Marvel because, oh, Agent Carter. (sighs) Three episodes, just magnificent, with a guest appearance of 
stock venture. Um, so, <laughs> which of course we've got to mention. Of course, next Monday, Venture Brothers. Venture Brothers comes back uh, for at one midnight, one, one, one hour, yeah. one hour. Yeah. Um, but please, it's an hour that we jam packed with everything you could possibly want. It sure looks that way. Uh, did you get the bed sheets? Did I get the bed sheets? They no, have queen size bed sheets. No, I did not. No, they're only taking PayPal payments. And if so, they uh, come out with a California King, I might consider it. It's queen size. Yeah. Yeah. Won't work for me. Sorry. Sorry. Um, okay. I'm still debating. Still debating. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So Agent Carter made his debut last week with two back to back episodes. And then this week, a third episode. And really, I just don't have any complaints about this series. I have one. And that is that I think, I mean, There is a story of a woman who is fighting the system um, to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Entirely valid story. Entirely even more valid in that period. Not discounting the fact that that's a a real story and has yeah. and real ramifications. It's not the story that was promised to me out of the out of the um, short where she and Howard Stark were going to build S.H.I.E.L.D. And that was what I was really excited about. So I feel like it stepped back But here's what I would say is I don't know where that short actually takes place in the continuity. Yeah. One, I grant you that there might have been a little bit of a rethink. Because I know you're you're you want the Scorpio key and, and want, all that. I want, uh, and but yeah. but that's not who they're fighting right now, and I that's know. what and that's why I suspect this lured people in ties a little closer into what the Winter Soldier did, mm-hmm. um, and I think I suspect that that thing because they were also they also suffered a blow from that short in that they lost Bradley Whitford. Yeah, um, who had been her most more imperious boss, walking off. I mean, essentially, when you when you see Saving Mister Banks, you realize that's what they did. Like they grabbed him because you're dressed in period, and they <laughs> <laughs> they pulled him in. No, I think he's you know, he's a really good actor, and I think he did a really good part of the when he had to eat crow at the end. That yeah. was really well done. Yeah, but I think that's what I think it's possible at the end of this Agent Carter, then you can start going into possibly because it's not Shield, it's SSR. Yeah, and. And it's, but it should be shield. I mean, well, it will become. But the other, the other half of that is the drama that they've stepped up has been the drama between the two good teams, Mm -hmm. and I haven't seen enough of the bad guys yet. Yet, But they're they're intriguing and mysterious. And this is a third episode. We're almost halfway through the show, and this is a miniseries. I mean, and there's no question uh, uh, of that. I'm hoping that they can sequelize, and that's the thing. Like the problem is that if you do it as the development of Shield, then we know. Right. And, and this is maybe that was an idea they shifted, they changed when they went into developing Winter Soldier. That we already know that Hydra is there. Right. We need to see part of Agent Carter's career that is unsullied by that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is that if you were showing now, if you look at that short and say, this is the development of S.H.I.E.L.D., because I think he says it by the you know the end of the, of the short, yeah. uh, Howard says, we're going to call it this, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Then you go, oh, where are the Hydra agents? Sure, you're be looking for it. But when it, now it's a complete Leviathan, a completely different organization. Yeah. Bad guys that are muted because their vocal cords have been cut. Um, 
And essentially, you know, I at first my thing was, oh, you know, like here you got this series, and she's not a superhero. I'm like, well, poo on me that I needed to see a costume. But I was very happy to see all the little. You don't need a man from Uncle. No, mm-hmm. I don't, and that's yeah. uh, that's the realization I made. And and she really is, and I, and I can't remember where I, I read again. Is like, she's essentially taking the role of the blonde Phantom, who's a Marvel yeah. character that uh, from that time after World War Two. And they said this is. You know, women were marginalized in comics, um, in the comics industry, and the superheroines were marginalized after World War II uh, because the blonde phantom really is. She's a character who works as secretary by day, puts on a blonde wig and an evening gown, and fights crime. Right. And so what does, Sharon, uh, what does Peggy Carter do in the first episode? She puts on a blonde, blonde wig, wig and an evening, evening gown and fights crime. You know, So there is a nod, I think, deeper. Uh, there are many uh, women uh, writers on this show and, and executive producers. And I think, you know, it really is. Without comp- It's actually doing a little real-world history because you can feel that frustration because as yeah. far as I'm concerned, you look at Peggy Carter – and you see her in Captain in Well you see all the women in the in the in what roles they had. The woman who uh got fired because lost her job because, because the men guy came, came back. back from the from war. service, right? You know. Yeah. Um unfortunately, uh it's not doing well in the ratings and I'm fearful that this is dropped a little. I don't think it it's still doing better than Agent than Agents of Shield was at its worst. So okay. I, I wouldn't get nervous for yet. Oh I think and, th- I, I I have no doubt they'll finish it. You know, regardless of the ratings, and I don't know that they're pl- that they were planning on a second either. I just like the idea. I like the idea of Agents of Shield taking a break, showing me this right. side story. No, it, true. Uh, it doesn't have to be Agent Carter. It could be something else next year. I would like to see more Agent Carter. One because I think Haley Hatwell is doing a phenomenal. I loved her in the, in the first Avenger. I thought uh, she brought me to tears in the Winter Soldier. And, you know, so we've seen the beginning and the end, and then we keep seeing that pain, especially with that contrast with the radio series yeah. that they're that they're sounding and how she's, I can't remember what they call her, that Bet- Betty Carver. And she's like, you know, I mean, there it is, the contrast, here she is, the total kick-ass person, and she's helpless in the media. You know, she's portrayed as this, and everybody thinks, I mean, yeah. It's it's the right time for this show. She is the right actress to be the the real vanguard to have the solo and proof. If this, you know, is is solid, it proves Marvel's wise to do a Captain Marvel movie. Marvel might even be wiser to do a, the next installment of Agent Carter as a film cuz I'd like to see a 40 or 50 million dollar period film. I yeah, you know, doesn't have to make five million, five hundred million dollars and, and sell a sheet set. I'm going to pitch you the. I have no power to make a decision. I'm you know that. Pitch to you the the season break for next year. Agents of Hydra. I'm not interested. No, no. Ah, oh, I, I I think it's 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 uh, it would be nice to. I mean, I actually like the episodes where Simmons was a Hydra agent, and you were watching the organization w- from within that side. I, I don't think that ABC is the right network. Maybe a Netflix miniseries. Mm. I don't think ABC is the right network for an antihero show like that. Oh, I don't. I don't no, I know what you you're. But that's what it, it would be. But that, yeah. but that's what it would be. Somebody under. I, I don't. Maybe. I mean, because they are definitely throwing a lot of shows that are, you know, like Ryan Phillippe is. I don't remember what the name of the show is, but but where he's accused of murdering a child, and it's like yeah, you yeah. know. So there's some pretty dark stuff going. But um, you notice too that they they ran the first teaser. That's all it is for Daredevil. 
in the, the city going the, 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 the double D, D and the, you know. Yeah. So I was like, okay. reminded me of the crow. Well, it reminded me of the of the first movie of the Daredevil movie because they did that and uh, they and the Punisher did that too. The the Thomas Jane one. Oh yeah. He turned yeah. city block into the skull, and it is a ridiculous. It's a great visual, but it is a ridiculous <laughs> thing for. While I'm fighting crime, I shall <laughs> carefully lay out the gasoline <laughs> in the form of two Ds overlapping. Well, of course, not ignite anything other than the gasoline <laughs> or any passersby. Maybe it's just a gel that burns yeah. uh, that I happen to have in my pocket. Uh, oh, the suit has no pockets. A- anyway, so uh, I, if, if you're not watching Agent Carter, you should be. But yes, the you're right. The, the ratings had dropped a bit, but I'm hoping we'll continue. Um it, you know, because it really is uh, what a just a well written show. The yeah. dialogue just snaps like crazy. And, All the period stuff's dead on. And 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 the Jarvis being the inspiration for Jarvis that we know uh-huh. is like. Oh. I love the fact that Jarvis is begrudgingly helping her, but he still wants to be in bed by nine o'clock with his wife. Yes, that's, that's real character building. Yeah, no, it's a great. It's it's a, it's a great everything about it. I have to watch Winter Soldier again, which I actually don't have yet on Blu-ray, but wow. um, because I can't remember if she named her husband in oh. that in that movie. I mean, she talked. To, there was a film in the Smithsonian that she talked about her husband, and I don't know if it's Gover, the guy that's being played by Gover and uh, Souza. Uh, so uh, Portuguese, right? Uh, Portuguese agent of Shield. Yes, the guy with the crutch. Yes, yeah. with the missing leg. Uh, but he was on Dollhouse, so he's part of the Whedon verse. You know, I just love seeing all those Whedon guys coming back in. Um. Anyway, uh, so and then we can lead to the other ABC show, Gallivant, which I really enjoyed, except for the commercials in which the theme song was used for to promote every single series on ABC. Yes, when it was sitcoms, it was okay, but when it was Resurrection, I thought that was a little <laughs> uh, tonal shift. Um, they're back from the dead. Uh, <laughs> watch this instead. <laughs> it's Resurrection. Oh God. Okay, I was really tired of that. Uh, the first one, I think. This, I think last week they cut down on it. Uh, they slowed down, but um, I'm enjoying it. I I'm watched lo- the first two issue and episodes they showed back issues. to back. Yes, and I was tired of it by the end of the second. But I think watching an hour of it at a time is okay. The the um the well, you did watch an hour of it the first time. It was only half hour episodes. Oh, pardon me. Okay, so a half an hour of it's okay. Yeah, a half an hour of a half of whatever they, they did that first time. Um, I the I liked the the latest episode with the king trying to learn yeah. how to be funny. That had some nice twists. In yeah, it. and some good songs. Yeah, um, the uh, Oi what a night. Yeah, well, was in particular. I, I you know the thing is it, it is a, it does have a weird tonal shift of there's a lot of Broadway in jokes yes. and some jokes that just they made me laugh. I was like. I don't know why I thought it was fun. so funny to me that John uh, Stamos was Jean Ham. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, oh, oh, yeah, that's funny. Um, and then, uh, and it was a, a great cut. Hey, I like the beard and and the facial hair too. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes. Well, that's a good cut. I'm gonna have to steal that. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, it, it was just it, there were weird things like like why does the musical comedy? It reminded me of Spam a lot, a lot where there's a song you can't go to Broadway if you don't have any Jews. And right, and no, then, it, so you have a whole uh, village of Jew uh, of inexplicably medieval Jewish people that are you know the biggest stereotypes they could possibly be well, the, the neighbors, right? The, uh, the na- yes, 
and their musical episode has pretty much the same beats as most of the songs. Yeah, I mean, well, because it's the same composer and it's the same, same composer writer. And writer. It's Alan okay. Menken, and I can't remember what the writer's name is, but the guy who created The Neighbors is the guy who created yeah. Galavant. Yeah. And the thing, but I watch it, and here's the thing. I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. And it's fine. I'm, I'm discovering new actors that I like. If you notice, the squire is uh, is Pop Pop from Community. Oh, really? Uh, is, oh, uh, what's God. his name? What's the character's name? Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, and he's great. What a dynamic performer. Love it. So, I, you know, the leads are all people that I'm like going, oh, I've never encountered them before. They're really, I'm really enjoying them. Um, but I can't help but watch it and go, why are you distracting from what you should be doing, which is creating the musical, probably musical version of Princess Bride, mm. which Disney is allegedly trying to do. So why did you? Why did Disney take this diversion into Gallivant? Well, yeah, maybe, but I just want to see the Princess Bride now. It's like you yeah. know because it has some of the same beats. Although I do like the idea of the princess that decides to go ahead. I'm going to go for the for the for I the, want money. the wealth and fame. Yeah, yeah, you know so. But I love experiments like that. I love television series that that are hard to, you know, even as much as we say the late lamented, it's not lamented, cop rock, that that it was tried is fantastic yes. to me. The uh, My other favorite scene from last last episode was the fake sword. Yes. Your face so funny. It was great. So uh, I did enjoy that. Um Billy D. Williams. We were going back. We're going to come circle near the end again with Star Wars, which is Billy D. Williams, who is not apparently in Episode Seven, is going to be Lando Calrissian in Rebels. So I'm very, very excited that that he's going to come back uh, and get to be Lando. Good show overall. Of course, he's also been Lando in. Uh, um, no, he hasn't been Lando. He's Londo Calrissian, his father, his own father in the Lego Yoda Chronicles. Which I don't know if that's on DVD, yeah. uh, but I know it was on Comcast for a while. One of the on-demand Lego things or Cartoon Network Lego things, and Londo has the Millennium Falcon under Londo Calrissian is basically a space disco, and he voices that, and it's it's awesome. But it's nice to see him come back in what is a fairly serious show. Rebels is interesting, and I guess the novel must have come out right. There was a, there was yeah. a Rebels novel yeah. uh, that I, I I need to go find and get because it came on a hardback. I yeah, no, I'm fine with buying it yeah. in hardback because I have a feeling I'm going to want to read it, you know, and kind of like it's one of those books that I shouldn't be thinking about having books that I want to keep on the shelf because I have no shelves right now, but no shelf space. But it's one of those I do want to have, you know, uh, yeah. if if it's any good. So, um, and then you said there was a Walking Dead teaser video for its return, mid-season return. Yeah, there's a, it's a voiceover Rick at the beginning, and they're all walking, supposedly walking away from the hospital at the end of last season. Uh-huh. And it's like Rick. Rick is saying, "Surviving together is all that matters." It is surviving is all that matters, and it's a bunch of uh, single shots of each one of the survivors with their weapon of choice, uh, laying down, covering fire, or attacking something. Uh, it's 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 more style than actual substance. But it's all in well, slow that's motion. That's what a teaser is going to be, right? And, yeah, and it's a good. You know, the last the last uh, episode kind of was a good break point for they could go into almost any of the storylines now from where they've been. Okay, that are still out there waiting uh, for them. And I think there was some rumor that uh, uh, Negan 
was uh, a potential for this upcoming season. We shall see, and it's more than I know and more than I've watched because I'm going to say, ironically, you know, we sent Nate this summer through the Walking Dead escape, and then... And he came back. He came back. He did. I watched the video and went, uh, it really wasn't that scary if I'd been there, uh, if I'd gone through it, but I'm glad I sent Nate because it, it meant more to him than it would to me. And as much as I, I, I respect The Walking Dead, the, the, the truth is we made a big joke about my being scared. It's like, it just didn't engage me. It, it just did not. And then you say season two, oh, you have to watch it. But it's like it's like drinking sour milk. You have yeah. to drink the milk. You got to taste this. Uh, you know, but I didn't hey, like it. Better than Star Wars 1, 2, and 3. I sat through those. You those are hours I'll never get. You I, made I it. sat through them a couple of times. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. I think, I'm pretty sure I watched. Uh, I've seen every one of them a couple times because I took my kids. Uh, but uh, the the Japanese um, Walking Dead, as they say, critically into critical claim, Attack on Titan, the Stomping Dead. We don't know that they're dead. We don't know what they are because I haven't read far enough or they watched the anime far enough. Freaky smiles on their faces. That's true. Uh, so I ran a piece today because uh, February 1st uh, in AT&T Park, uh, there will be an escape from the walled city, a wa- uh, an attack on Titan experience uh, in which you will be uh, one of the, the, what do they call them? The Not the Rangers. Um, shoot. But anyway, one, the the group that, uh, that that goes exploring yeah. and, and making sure that things are... Where all the main characters are. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're going to be in training for that when there's an attack and you have to solve all the puzzles and escape from, from AT&T Park. Um, and they're doing it in Los Angeles, and they're and they haven't announced where in New York they're going to do it, but they're they're going to be doing these things. Um, Is there another season of that coming? Yes, or? yeah, it's in development. It's okay. not done. I guess it's not done, or it hasn't even been released in Japan yet. Um, so I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of development got set aside for the live action film that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, think it is funny that here I'm going. Oh, that's interesting. I probably won't do it, but I would be interested in, in being outside and covering and talking to people about what their experience was. Uh, it doesn't, it, it can't hold a candle to the Universal Studios Japan <laughs> experience where you'll be in 4D and apparently there is an actual uh, 50-foot statue of the main character who can become a Titan uh, as a Titan there. And this is, it, it, I'm not sure, but it says like this, this setup is only for like, it's like our Halloween Horror Nights that it's only going to be for like three or four months. They'll have Attack on Titan, the 4D ride. They have what they call Biohazard, which is the Japanese title for um, Resident Evil. Uh, And uh, Evangelion uh, will have an experience. And so it's set up, and I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. But, man, go to the website and and, and click on the article about Attack on Titan. Go to the Fanboy Planet website. The Fanboy Planet. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, I kind of assume you're right. I shouldn't, but I do. I I, uh, embedded the Japanese uh, trailer for the Universal... Um, attraction which includes that if you go to that you actually get a bento box full of their survival food (laughs) it does not look appetizing but i suppose if you were really into attack on titan it's like oh i've gotta i've gotta eat the way they would you know yeah so um it it is interesting and and i find it odd that that really has um taken the world by storm did you finish the first season no, I've only read the mangas. Oh, um, I, I, I'm halfway through the uh, third volume of the manga, which is, I. It's one of those things where I'm, you know, I'm. I don't really uh, 
there are things about manga storytelling that are just, I know, it's just not the way a Western, uh, you know, an American audience or an American writer would tell the story. Um, but the concept is fascinating to me. So yeah. I keep meaning to go back in. I think I watched the first episode of the anime, thought it was good, but I was, um, I was kind of nodding off and it wasn't because of the show. It was because it was like, you know, midnight and yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, I want to see this. <laughs> oh, know? it gets so good at the end. Well, I mean, that's just, what just I, so I, I just had, I, I just had dinner with Gaz Gretzky a couple of weeks ago and he and, and Kulin and his wife were, were telling me that same thing. I was like, oh, the anime is really good. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, and I think I get the same sensation out of, out of the manga. It's like it's heading somewhere good. I just don't think it's particularly drawn well, you know, um, which is the thing. Apparently yeah, the, I mean, the guy uh, who created it was like 17 and drew it and he's had no training and he's just. Manga is meant to be read faster than American comics too. So you shouldn't dwell on any. Oh, no, I'm page. not dwelling. But yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, yeah. Because this guy really doesn't. He either, there's, there's, no, no, well, there's no there's rules. There's no dialogue of. Uh, yeah. uh, but there, there's no rules to his art. Uh-huh. Like it, it's passable, but it, but 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 characters don't. I think half of what makes those Titans so freaky is that I is that he can't. He doesn't keep it consistent uh-huh. from time to time. So the distortion isn't like distortion that he was doing on purpose. It's because he wasn't. It's because that's his level of art. Yeah. You know, I, oh, I pro- that's probably going to be the most controversial thing we've said. You know, we've been. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like a valid, valid comment. You know, my, the, my take on the Titans is they all, I, I suspect he may have just stood on a street and take, taken pictures of passersby. And just drawn their faces at the Titans because they just look like everyday people. Which I, no, I, I get that, you know, and because they're so it's acting so manically, it, the the discontinuity there is just disturbing. Yeah. So I mean, and definitely you watch that little trailer with it in sort of CG, and that that so called 4D experience. And I'm like, well, yes, that is disturbing, and yet I think it's like I I, I would I would enjoy going on that and going, hmm, it'll be a live action film as well. Hopefully that'll get translated. Not like badly pirated and dubbed in like my my adventure on the ultra planets. Like there should be an audience to just dub these things for you know. I have this Ultraman movie that I really love, but I can't I can't figure out how to activate the uh, English the English subtitles. subtitles. So I actually watched the whole thing in Japanese with Japanese subtitles. I have no idea what's going on, but it's awesome. Hmm. Uh, it's a planet full of Ultraman and, and monsters. Oh, I I know this story. Yeah, it's the, the whole Ultraman family. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's on the, on the on their world, and there's yeah. and it even brings back the original Hayata as yeah, old man. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. I have no idea what's going on in that, but it's it's beautiful. Anyway, if you know what's going on with that, please tell me. Write into editor at fanboyplanet dot com if you've got any comments, com- compliments, criticisms, you know, whatever. Uh, you want to help us out? Uh, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, if you're listening to us on iTunes, I forgot to mention it up top because I was I knew we were going to have uh, Michael on, which we, again, thank uh, thank our special guest tonight. Uh, but if you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe, tell your friends, rate us, and uh, definitely tell your friends because, you know, it is nice. And, and, and definitely, you know, give us a little feedback too. What, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? We'd like to know. Do you want me to really drop seven books a week? 
Yes. Uh, you can also do the same on the Stitcher app. Uh, you can uh, also find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. And I should mention, if you're interested in seeing Build, there's an article on the website on Fanboy Planet that talks about it, and then I realized I didn't drop that in the interview, that uh, you can get tickets by going to the website for City Lights Theater Company, which is www.cltc.org. Or you can call them, I know how primitive, use the phone, 408-295-4200. And they are found at, uh, they are at 596 South 2nd Street in San Jose, California. It's in downtown San Jose. Build, I can vouch, this is one of those things, since I have seen a production of the play, it's a very interesting, thought-provoking play, uh, very deep into the uh, gaming culture. I'm intrigued. It, you should be, and and they've got, and for them, I, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, they're using a, the article I've wrote, written so far is a big breakthrough in um, lighting technology and projection technology, because there are only like 108 seats in this theater. It's a very it's a small very, seat. Very, it's a very uh, small theater, very intimate, intimate place, and, re- and really cool. They They just do consistently good work. But this is the first time that it's been like a show that like this really crosses over with us since the Rocky Horror Show, which we covered because I was in it like you know twelve years ago. Um, this is one that really, really you know brings uh, you know it's our worlds all colliding. So very excited to talk about this show and to and to get people out to see it. So listeners, if you appreciate the fact that we push other people's property more than we push ourselves, go to that. PayPal link. And <laughs> Thank you. I was about to say that. Go to www.fanboyplanet.com. You can go to the PayPal link. Donate a little. And if you there's something on this uh, website, uh, on the podcast tonight that uh, that you're interested in and you can't find it at your local store, you can always follow the Amazon link helpfully there on the Fanboy Planet website. Some of the things, uh, we've got direct links, but you can do the search box. I'll probably link to a couple of other of Michael's other plays as well. There's one called Year Zero, which is definitely it's about a kid who uh, an Asian American uh, teenager who is very much into D and D, so it's clear that he's been you know dealing with a lot of this stuff. And on the article on it's the lights, you can have a link to a lot of grim products as well, and uh, and and a book about Eichlers. So if you're curious, uh, there's a book about Eichlers. You know what else came out this week, and you should put a link to it. What the Star Wars omnibus of the original Marvel oh, oh, run. Oh, right, of the original Marvel like, run. I didn't pick it up. Yeah, uh, it's it's an expensive volume. It's well, like there you've, 90 you, bucks. Well, there you've clicked it. You've, you've mentioned it, so we'll make sure that there's a link, a link on, the, on the, the podcast page. So thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, let us know how we're doing, and we'll talk to you later. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.com. The Great Luke L U K E S K I dot com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs> <laughs>
and uh, they actually had an episode that with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It seemed like it. No, it was uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome if they had. They, they went to London last. So I just watched today the the season premiere of last season. Yeah. So they went to London. Peter Serafinowicz, who was one of the Nova Corps, is there to take Andy away. That's Chris Pratt. Right. He's gone for like four episodes. Comes back completely ripped, which they never comment upon. But basically, they've used they used them going to London as the excuse for why Andy was off Chris the Pratt show was for off a while. the show for a while. And I like that it was Peter Serafin. There was actually somebody sure, from sure, sure. the movie playing a lord who takes a liking to him, and then calls him an a hole later. No, I don't think they did. It, it was, but it was a nice reversal. But uh, I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec, but it, you know, I just came back this week and they jumped forward in time, so it's actually soft sci-fi. Oh. They jump forward three years, and so it's like it's 2017, and it's the kind of world building, which is not necessarily funny, and it's not other than the weird names they've given things, but it's an interesting, like, Because so much can change in two years? You know it can. I guess. You know, so it's it, it's not a lot. It's more like more like in, which I haven't still haven't seen her, you know, that there's just little subtle things that are like, oh, the world has shifted, but, the, but nothing. Yeah. Day to day is pretty much the same, but then this little technology comes out, and they go like, "It's such a leap forward that it's." Well, that's the interesting thing about um, Twelve Monkeys. I think it takes place the present day part of Twelve Monkeys is 2013. A couple years back, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's like newsroom. That's on tomorrow night, by the way. First Twelve episode? Monkeys. Yeah. They had like the first. 20 minutes available online well good i have no, watch that. no children tomorrow and uh i'm home alone so actually i don't know that i'm home alone but you're home without children i watched all of the rebels the star wars rebels i unfortunately have not i need to go i liked back, it or i'll probably well i liked the pilot i thought that the, the first movie was like that was watching the show just like i'll give marvel credit is as much as i liked what dark horse did with their star wars number one you know, it was like, oh, it was I love the way the galaxy apart and then the double page spread. No, I love Waste it. two pages for that. Make the fanboy in me just kind of. It, it was episode 4.5. It yep. was the beginning of episode 4.5. Let's 5. save this. It, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Walking Dead. Yep. Did you watch the teaser? Nope. It's, it's stylistic, but it doesn't really give anything away. Okay. And then at the end of the Walking Dead thing, I'll talk about the Attack on Titan event coming. Ah, cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? Mm-hmm. 